0: This is Retro Sports Radio. Visit Retroseasons.com for more sports history. On October 19, 1976, the Cincinnati Reds visited the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium for Game 3 of the 1976 World Series. The Reds led the best of seven series two games to none, and this is the CBS radio broadcast of Game 3, featuring announcers Marty Brenneman and Wynn Elliott. Yankee Stadium with Elliott with Marty Brenneman, and it's about to happen. At the plate right now, Pete Rose, captain of the Cincinnati Reds, has uh, handed out the lineups for his squad. Billy Martin, unlike the first two games, is out in person to hand the New York Yankee squad to the umpires. Billy Williams behind the plate on third base, the American League's Dave Phillips. Bill Deacon of the same league is on first base. Lou Demuro of the American League is down the right field line. Bruce Fleming, second base. And Lee Wire of the National League is out in left field. The umpires are now disporting themselves around the field. The Yankees have gone back into their dugout. A couple of them were up loosening up. Fred Stanley, they've been standing around during the introductions. And it's a little cold down there. The first ball tonight has been is going to be thrown out by none other than the incomparable Joe DiMaggio. Joe, whose last series here was in 1951. I see him, he's standing right in front of Bowie Coon, the commissioner, just this side of the Yankee dugout. Joe's just shaking hands with the commissioner. He's going to throw out the ball. It was back in '51. And so apropos, that was the 51st series game that he had played in his career. Back in 1951, Joe DiMaggio's last World Series. As he gets ready to throw the ball out, he does so to Thurman Monson. Now a repeat. Now Bam takes the balls and reclaims them to Joe, a Hall of Famer, of course. I'll never forget 51. It was the end of DiMaggio's career. As he repeats for the photographers, do you remember who began that year? For the New York Giants, a kid who used to run out of his cap in center field. Came up from the cotton fields of Alabama. One of the great all-around players of all time, Willie Mays. And for the Yankees that year, it was the buster, Mickey Mantle. The beginning of a new baseball era. But now, we're just moments away from the beginning of the third game of the World Series here in Yankee Stadium where it'll be Doc Ellis pitching to Thurman Munson with Pete Rose first to bat for the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds lead the series two zip. Let's place them again. Nettles third, Stanley Short, Willie Randolph at second, Chambliss at first base, Roy White and left, Mickey Rivers, and Oscar Gamble. And it'll be Doc Ellis and Thurman Munson behind the plate. Billy Williams of the National League, Pete Rose taking a few preliminary swings, and Marty Brenneman, who normally spends his time in that lovely city of Cincinnati, I can't help think, Marty, it's too big to be a small town, and it's too small to be a big town, so they settle for being just right, we love them. Well, I have to agree with you, Well. it's, uh, I guess, the best-kept secret in the United States, Cincinnati, Ohio, well, we're doing our bit now to unlock that secret, it's a great town. Mike is taking his warm-ups to his catcher, Thurman Munson. When Elliott, of course, setting the stage for this, the third game of the 1976 World Series. And while a lot of folks among the news representatives are talking right now about a possible Cincinnati sweep, I don't think that at this point, despite the fact the Yankees are down two games to none, you could say they had their backs to the wall. Although Sparky Anderson said earlier today, when? If we win tonight, we're going to sweep this World Series. If we lose tonight, it's going to go six and possibly seven. Well, Doc Ellis is a pitcher that keeps the ball low, which is, of course, valuable on this kind of natural breath because the ground balls are going to be slowed down. The whole thing about Doc is what will his temperament determine? Will he be calm enough to pitch his game, or will he, it wouldn't be too uncommon to be upset or nervous for a time like this. Rose standing off just to the right of home plate. Don Ellis has finished his warm-ups and Rose will lead things off for Cincinnati as he did throughout 162 games during the regular season. Three over the Phillies in the playoffs and now for the third straight time in the 76 World Series. Ellis to the wide, the pitch is taken for a strike and this game is underway. And that was the loudest strike of the year. That, in fact, it was of course a switch hitter batting left handed against Ellis with the doctor getting quickly out in front on straight two ball on the outside quarter Ken Griffey is in the on deck circle he'll be followed by second baseman Joe Morgan Ellis sights the sign from Munson and in with a two strike delivery just missing down and an into to Rose who steps away from the plate and says something to plate umpire Billy Williams the outfield for the Yankees giving Rose a lot of real estate in right center Oscar Gamble playing him straight away and right that one hit to shallow right center. It'll fall for a base hit. So Rose takes a big turn at first base as Gamble quickly whips the ball back into the infield, and Rose has opened this game with his first base hit in this 1976 World Series. Not his most robust. I thought it caught him right on the handle. Doc was trying to jam him, but he had enough handle hit in there to pop it right over the head of Willie Randolph, and if not running, at least the Reds are off. That'll bring up Ken Griffey. He also is without a hit up to this point. Griffey's been to the plate eight times. No hits. He's knocked in a run. Third baseman Greg Nettles plays him in on the edge of the grass as Ellis checks Rose and gets a strike over at the knees on the outside corner. Around the Yankee infield, they've got Chambliss at first, Randolph the rookie at second base at shortstop. Brett Stanley, the third baseman, as we mentioned, Greg Nettles. The outfield from left to right, Roy White, Vicky Rivers, Oscar Gamble, and Munson behind the plate. Here's a throw to first. Rose is back. Ellis, 6'3", 31 years old, born in Los Angeles, California, now makes his home in Pittsburgh. He misses outside as the count evens to Griffey at one ball and one strike. Grant's winning the first two games of this series at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, 5-1 the first game final, and 4-3 on Sunday night as they bested the Yankee ace catfish hunter on Tony Perez's bottom of the ninth inning single a bouncing ball. Shambliss has to leap. He'll have only one play and retires Griffey. He looked forward second base, but Rose had any play there beaten and then had to quickly recover, go quick left to beat Griffey to the bag. So the Reds have a runner in scoring position on one out. It'll bring up second base with Joe Morgan. Joe's had an interesting series. Probably the two most important uh, blows he struck in the series, he didn't touch the ball. He was intentionally walked. Uh, that was the last play or the next-to-last play in Cincinnati in the ninth inning in the second game. And you remember the walk he got just before Perez hit to Dick Allen. Marty, here's the pitch. Rose at second base. The pitch comes high to Morgan of ball. Joe has had three hits. He's been up eight times. Has exploded the only home run in this World Series. First inning, game one, off Doyle Alexander. The outfield playing him pretty much straight away. Ellis, a backward glance at second. In with a 1-0 pitch. Ball two is low. Two balls in those strikes. Joe took a look at the right field porch here at Yankee Stadium and the Reds worked out last night and talked about the glee of being able to play in this park for half of a 162-game season. He could pull that ball. But Ellis right now is a pitch away from walking him as he comes high on ball three. Seventeen-game winner Doc Ellis labeled bad news in his days with the Pittsburgh Pirates coming over to the Yankees under no-nonsense manager Billy Martin, and boy, had himself some kind of first year in the American League. At one time, Marty, he won seven straight, and uh, he was probably the best pitcher on the Yankee staff midseason. He needs a strike on Morgan. Joe with a green light, a bouncing ball, the first play by Shambliss. He gets the out on Morgan as Rose rolls into third-base standing. So two down. As Sparky Anderson from the Cincinnati dugout third base side did something that time, he's done very, very often over the course of the season, and that's give his big hammers a green light on the 3-0 pitch. And both the outs in this inning, peculiarly enough, have been unassisted bounces almost Baltimore chops to Chambliss at first and here's the big gun of the 1976 series. They call him the big dog in Cincinnati veteran Tony Perez 5 for 9 as Wynn said the most proficient hitter so far swinging at a foul ball on Ellis' first offering. 5 hits and 9 times up he's knocked in a pair of runs and has an opportunity to do just that right here if he can come up with a 2 out base hit on Doc Ellis. We're in the top of the first inning no score Game three of the 1976 World Series from Yankee Stadium. Rose with a lead. The outfield punching the alleys on Perez, who swings on an Ellis fastball and again fouls it off. Strike two. You know him better than I, uh, Marty, but Perez being the biggest guy on the squad seems to be the most affable. There's always a grin on that big face. Well, I'll tell you, he's probably the classiest athlete I've ever come in contact with. I don't know that anybody who's ever come in contact with Tony Perez doesn't just simply love the guy. On the O2 pitch. He sends a high pop into shallow right field. Randolph back. Gamble is in. Who's going to play it? Randolph, the second baseman, squeezes it, and the Reds are out on the first inning. He'll run one hit, throws left strand to the third. After a half inning of baseball, the Cincinnati Reds nothing. The New York Yankees are coming to bat. Now that you're about to buy a microwave oven, know the fact. These are the facts on the Amana Touchmatic radar range, the first microwave oven with a memory. Set it and it remembers to defrost, cook, and call you when dinner's ready. Freezer to table one, two, three. Amana Cookmatic Power Shift lets you select the cooking speed you need, puts you in full control of everything you cook. Amana 675 watts of cooking power cooks almost everything in one-fourth the usual time and saves energy, uses 50 to 75% less energy than a conventional electric range. The stainless steel interior is big enough to roast a family-sized turkey. The removable glass oven tray catches spills and boilovers. overs All this, plus Amana's full five-year warranty on the Magnetron, covers Magnetron cost, labor charges, even the serviceman's travel expenses for five years. These are the facts. Amana believes once you know the facts, you'll buy an Amana Touchmatic radar range. Simple as that. I can tell you what you heard is the completion of that first inning. I'm a fan of old standing. I can't tell you uh, what the baseball player feels down there because I threw my arm out when I was only knee high to a peanut plant. But I can tell you what it's like to be in the stands rooting, or standing, or sitting in your living room now, catching this game on radio and biting your fingernails. If you rank Yankee fan. You did silently at home what the 54,000 folks did here in the studios. They just let their breath go in a, oh, when that pop fly went to right field. Because the Yanks looked like they might be had in the first inning with Pete Rose on third. And now long, tall, lean. I love to listen to those cartridges in the dressing room. Pat Zachary is up the face. Nick the quick. And you can hear a different kind of exhalation now. Charge is what it says on the board. Okay, Marty. Okay, it's Mickey Rivers standing in with Rose playing an extremely shallow third base. Zachary delivers. Mickey Rivers bouncing ball foul past first base. When you talk about the keys so far in this World Series, you talk about the ability of Ratch pitching to keep Mick the Quick Rivers off the base pass. He's been up nine times officially. He has come away with nothing. And this is one of the big things that Sparky Anderson talked about coming in. Here's a bunt third base side. Zachary quickly up throwing, and he got it. No, Perez dropped the ball. The throw was to the inside of the bag, right into the oncoming river. Perez had it, and then he didn't have it. And Mickey Rivers is going to be on as he dropped one off the left side of the mound. Zachary came up, had time to get him, but his throw was to the inside, and Mickey Rivers on the copped-up ball by Tony Perez is on it first. Actually, he added Marty, but as he ran by, Perez's glove was still out there in front with the ball, and Rivers' body brushed the, the arm of uh, Perez and knocked the ball out of his hand. It was not deliberate. It just happened that way. Waiting the official scoring ruling on that play. Will it be a base hit for Rivers? Will it be an error charged on the play? Here's Roy White, the Yankee left fielder. Two hits and seven times up in the series. And they've scored an error on the pitcher, a throwing error against Pat Zachary. Zachary delivers to White, down and away for a ball. Tony Perez at first as we set the Reds defensively. Joe Morgan at second. Davey Concepcion at shortstop. and Rosen on the grass at third. An outfield, a foster left, Geronimo center, Griffy right. Bench sets a target behind the plate for Zachary, who turns and throws on to first. Rivers, who stole 43 bases and 50 tries during the regular season, is on. Has attempted one steal in this World Series, was gunned down by Johnny Bench in Cincinnati. The outfield giving switch hitting Roy White a lot of room in left center. There's a throw, and they've got him picked off! Woo-hoo. They caught Mickey Rivers leaning the wrong way, and Zachary with that good move for a right-hander, had him dead to rights coming back. I was about to say, Marty, that you can always tell when Mickey is going to steal. He loosens up his wrists and hands and lets them clap. Just as Zachary was turning to throw, Mickey was faking the move towards second. And you know how impossible it is to change all your musculature to come back. He was not able to do it second time thrown out. Two balls and no strikes on a high and away fastball to Roy White. So Pat Zachary can now direct full attention to the man at the plate and that he has picked off Vicki Rivers. The kick and the pitch swung on and fouled down the first baseline. Two balls and a strike on him. With catcher Thurman Munson in the New York Yankee on deck circle. Marty, the so-called pressure tactics of both these uh, champion teams uh, hasn't been the most brilliant this, this series. Three reds have stolen, two were thrown out, and Rivers, of course, twice. Two on delivery, down and inside, and Pat Zachary on the missed breaking ball is behind to Roy White at 3-1. and one. Yankee Stadium jammed to capacity. This is the first of three scheduled games, tomorrow night, Thursday night, if necessary. And then, should it go further than that, the series will shift back to Cincinnati. Strike is called. Letter-high fastball. Full count, Pat Zachary against Roy White. Marty Pat was saying in the dressing room the other night he doesn't throw as hard as Don or as uh, with as much guile as Lefty Norman. What is his stock in trade? Well, he's got a good sinking fastball win that he tails away from the hitters. Here's a high pop on the 3-2 pitch. Now, Zachary directing traffic signals for Pete Rose to play it as he comes between the mound and the plate to squeeze it for out number two. You know, they say it's the job of the pitcher to direct the action around a plate on a pop like that. Well, Patton was a little indecisive because when the ball went straight up, he pointed to uh, uh, Johnny Bench. Then when he saw Johnny back off, he changed his mind and pointed to Pete Rose. Well, Pete was coming in like it was Christmas anyway, as he always does. It'll bring up Thurman Munson with two odds. We're talking about Zachary's repertoire. He's got a slider. He's got an outstanding changeup, which really was uh, well, had a whole lot to do with the fact that he won 14 games this season and included among those 14 wins was five victories over the Dodgers. Fastball is up and in to the right-handed batting Thurman Munson. Munson, two for eight, a to run batted in. The outfield for Cincinnati will play him straight away. Geronimo, maybe a step or two toward the gap in left center. Strike is called. By plate umpire Billy Williams, it's one and one. No score, bottom of the first inning. Two Yankees are out, although Mickey Rivers reached on a Zachary throwing error before the Reds rookie right-hander picked him off of first base. White have popped a pop to Rose off a 3-2 pitch, and now Zachary one ing to Munson. Bouncing ball will be foul off third. Zachary, a very, very high-strung young man from Richmond, Texas. He now makes his home in Waco, Texas. But realizing a dream come true tonight as he starts game three of the World Series, quite a climax to his rookie year. Here's a bouncing ball over the mound by Morgan, face if Bunsen, center field. First hit for the New York Yankees in Game 3 here at Yankee Stadium. For Munson, it's his third out of nine tries, so he's batting a flat 3-3-3. And up comes the guy that Sparky Anderson says is the guy they fear the most, Shambliss. They pitch him outside, he's been hitting it in the left center. And of course, we all know he can pull. Big strong left-handed batting Chris Shambliss with Munson at first base. Thurman Munson, by the way, has now hit safely in all eight of the Yankee postseason games. Batting 406 with 13 hits and 32 times up. Two down, Munson with a short lead against a holding Tony Perez. Off-speed pitch missing away to Shambliss the ball. On deck is the designated hitter, Carlos May. Zachary with a slow come down to the belt, the kick in the pitch. Ball two, two balls and no strike. Chris has hit safely in his last 16 games, Marty. He's been on a terrific streak. He's a guy, of course, who ended it all against Kansas City with that ninth-inning leadoff home run in Game 5 of the American League Championship Series. Swing and a foul tip to Johnny's bench is mid, and Chris Shambliss, in the inimitable words of Brett, second baseman, Joe Morgan, was spinning on that pitch, trying to take Zachary out of here. Two balls and a strike. Ambless levels of bat, now waiting. The pitch on the way to the plate. Low and outside, ball three. At times this past season, Pat Zachary had a problem early when of getting his control together. I can see one of his main problems is himself. On that pitch, which was wide, he disgustedly, he let everybody in the park know he was disgusted. There was a signal from the bench, calm down, and he nodded okay. 3-1 pitch. That ball is hit off the left field foul line and will carry back into the upper deck here at Yankee Stadium. So Pat Zachary has gone as far as he can go, and now Yankee manager Billy Martin has come out and is involving himself in a conversation with first base umpire Bill Deegan, and Howard, the Yankee, first base coach, is also involved, and Billy Martin is really upset. The, I, I think the, the motion that Martin has made to the uh, umpire on first base, which is Phil Deegan of the American League, is that Zachary is not coming to a complete stop before he pitches to the plate. That is part of the modern baseball rule. You have to come to a complete stop before you can throw to the plate. If you're going to throw to first base, you must face first base. Your foot, the lead foot, must face in that direction before you can make the throw. Martin who is a master at misdirection, may believe that Zachary is balking. On the other hand, he may know that Zachary has not got the most equal of temperaments, and he's out there possibly to upset the kid with a count three and two and shambles at the plate. You'll never know, because Philly won't tell you, but this is the kind of, this is the way Martin manages. If he can get any kind of an edge within the rules, and within the rules, ha, he'll do it. Well, he's gone back to the Yankee dugout. That's Zachary looking down at Johnny Bench, Three and two on Chris Shambliss. Two out. Munson at first base. And the payoff pitch with a runner going. He's flipping him out with a high fastball. The Yankees are done in inning number one. They come away with no runs, a hit, one Cincinnati era, and one Yankee Munson left at first base. At the end of one full, the Reds nothing, the Yankees likewise. You can get shock absorbers almost anywhere these days, and goodly. But when you think you need shocks, what you really need is a shock specialist to make sure you get the right shocks for your car and the way you drive. At Midas, you get a shock specialist. Who else can you trust to tell you whether you really need shocks at all? Who else can choose from five different kinds of heavy-duty shocks for your car? Who else can install those shocks in 30 minutes or less? Come to Midas. We're shock specialists. We have to do a better job. You know, a lot of little cars from across the ocean are so exotic that getting service can be a trying experience. I need service on my exotic little car. Can you do it? Oh, well, I'll try. Is this here the engine? I don't know. Me neither. Ah, uh, but the Opel Isuzu is different. Because first off, it's sold and serviced by Buick Opel dealers. And secondly, instead of being exotic and complicated... It's nice and simple. Golly gee, that looks simple enough. A simple, fun Opal Isuzu. It might just be the little car you're looking for at your Buick Opal dealer. So it's the first inning over here at Yankee Stadium on the third game between the Reds and the Yanks. Both teams threatened somewhat in the top half of the first. Pete Rose singled, then two infield ground balls got him to third, and the dangerous Tony Perez was uh, taken out on a fly ball to right field. Then for the Yankees, uh, a late throw or an errant throw by the pitcher Zachary as Mickey Rivers attempted to get on by a bunt. It was called an error. I think it was one of those things. The ball arrived in time, was right on the bag, but Rivers and Bruckner, Perez knocked the ball out of his hand, what are you going to do? So you call it an error. Gonna fly out by White, A single by Thurman Munson. Oh, Rivers was picked off immediately after getting on, and then the strikeout by Shambliss. And so as we go to the top of the second party, it's nothing, nothing. Danny Dresden, the designated hitter for the Cincinnati Reds for openers against Doc Ellis, pitches high for a ball. This, of course, the first look for American League fans at a designated hitter for the National League. Cincinnati fans saw it for two straight days. Dreesen looks at it low and outside, ball two. Danny had a double and an infield hit in game two of the series on Sunday night. Left-handed batter, and there's a strike in, taken by Dreesen, two balls and one strike. George Foster is on deck, and then it'll be the Reds catcher, Johnny Bench. Nothing, nothing in the top of the second. Ellis working quickly. Treason with a swing and a foul ball that will roll to the near end of the Yankee dugout. The Reds trying to do something that no National League team has done in 54 years, and that's win back-to-back world championships. John McGraw's New York Giants in 1921 and 1922, the last team to do it. Ball three in a full count. Dreeson trying to get on to open the Cincinnati second inning. Ellis kicks and throws, and that pitch is hit off the pitcher's glove, but fielded by Willie Randolph. Quick throw is high, and Dreeson is going to be safe as it took Shambliss off the bag and really had to climb the ladder to keep that ball from ending up in the seats behind the Yankee dugout. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the CBS Radio Network. Complete business reports 20 times daily on News Radio 78, WBBS, Chicago. Scored that with an infield hit for Danny Dreesen. The ball deflected off the glove of Doc Ellis that took some of its momentum away, but it looked like Willie Randolph had enough time with a good throw to get the out at first base. It was high, and Dreesen has gotten a hit for himself. I would have given it an error. That'll bring up George Foster. Right-handed batting power hitter. Dreesen is going to be running on a pitch, and the ball gets away from Munson. Now the question is, Was it bunted by a foul by Foster, or whether Munson just allowed the ball to get away? Apparently no contact made, and Dreesen has been credited with a stolen base. From our position behind the plate, that was a real tough one to see whether it actually hit the bat, but um, of course the uh, umpire being right there, Billy Williams, said no, and Dreeson has his stolen base. That is the fourth of the series for the Reds. And for the second time in as many innings, the Reds have a runner in scoring position. To Foster taken for a strike. They've got nothing in two on the fourth. That cannot be right. If there was a foul ball, Danny Driessen could not have ended up at second base with a steal. So it'll be one ball and one strike. Foster three for seven in the first two games. He's knocked in a run. Nobody out. A runner at second base. And now as Ellis comes set and straddles the pitching rubber, he steers Driessen back towards the second base bag. into his stretch and the pitch Foster fouls this one back out of the netting behind home plate one ball and two strikes Johnny Bench will be up next the Reds trying to become the first club in this third game to dead home plate Pete Rose as far as third base in the first inning but Perez with a pop up to Willie Randolph at second to get Doc Ellis out of that little bit of a problem and now again dealing to George Foster. Here's a fly ball hit well to right center field. Gamble on his horse will not be able to run it down. That's going to get Drees at around third and onto the plate as Foster goes in standing up at second base. So the Reds have scored on an infield hit by Danny Reese at a stolen base and a double to the right center field gap by George Foster to give the Cincinnati Reds a one nothing lead. And that was a well-hit shot just to the right of the 385 mark. It jumped high over the wall, hit the concrete, and came back on the playing field. And the American League umpire in right field, Lou DeMuro, uh, raised his arm. That's all. And that's all that Foster would have gotten at any rate. So a ground rule double, an RBI double for Foster. Here's a line drive. Off the glove of the first baseman, Shambliss. through the first, and that is time. Doc Ellis coming off that mound like a shot. He got to first base with a shamless leap that hit off the end of that big first baseman's mitt. Randolph on the outfield grass came up with it. The throw did not get Johnny Bench, and George Foster moves on to third. So the Reds, who have scored one time in the inning, have sent three batters to the plate, and all three have reached safely against Doc Ellis and the New York Yankees. The batter will be center fielder Cesar Geronimo. Cesar. And if baseball is a game of inches, that one was a, a hit of a half inch because it did tear him off the glove of Shambliss. Big guy that he is, was quite not able to sky hook it. Geronimo, left-handed batter, hit 307 during the season, the first time in his professional career that he's been a 300 plus hitter. Way outside, Cremellis a ball. We've got activity underway in the New York Yankee bullpen out in deep left-center field. It's left-hander Grant Jackson throwing. Mettles plays even with a bag at third as Foster leads that way. Johnny Bench comes off the bag at first. Randolph, Stanley, a double play depth. And Doc Ellis digging a big, big hole for himself as he drops down to Geronimo at two balls and no strikes. A run is home for the Reds. We're in the top of the second. It is nothing Cincinnati. Geronimo takes the strike. Davey Concepcion is on deck, the Cincinnati shortstop and number nine batter. Geronimo taking a look at third base coach George Sugar to pick up the sign, and now Ellis ready with the next pitch. And here it comes It's ball three. So Doc Ellis having problems in the second. Three balls and a strike to count on Geronimo center fielder, Mickey Rivers, who can pick him up and lay him down with the best of them in Major League Baseball, playing Geronimo the other way. The pitch coming, swung on and foul, and the count is full. It has been most surprising to the Cincinnati Reds the defensive alignment of the New York Yankee outfield in this World Series to a number of their hitters. Of course, a walkie-talkie is much in evidence tonight. Down to our left, Clyde King, Carl Keel, manning the microphones, or the headsets, you might say, to Yankee coach Gene Michael in the New York dugout. Here's a smash on one hot nice play by Stanley, on to Randolph, throw to first, not in time, and a run is home. Now well, the multitude of umpires behind the first base bag, contending that Randolph's quick throw to Shambles beat Geronimo, but not so, says Bill Deegan. With Foster in from third, the Reds up the lead to 2-0. As the force out, is made on Johnny Bench at second base. A good play by Freddie Stanley on a hard-hit one-hopper. An excellent play, and that was the third time this inning that there's been a play around first base that has been of some controversial nature. The very first batter in the inning, Dan Griesen, hit one off the glove of Ellis, the shortstop, did or did not reach in time. Then there was the ball that went off a shambles glove, and here's the action. Geronimo running on the pitch, Concepcion a foul back. At Toronto with a RBI, scored a fielder's choice, bench cut down at second base. Stanley to Randolph, six to four. And now Greg Nettles coming in from third base to talk with Doc Ellis, who requests and gets a new baseball from plate umpire Billy Williams. Dimensions here at Yankee Stadium: three ten down the left field line, or three twelve rather down the left field line. Three ten to right, three eighty seven as it juts out from the left field foul pole, then four thirty. The deepest point of the park got in deep left center by the Yankee bullpen. Throw to first base by Ellis. 417 to straightaway center. 385 to the power alley in right center field. Concepcion, a right-handed batter. The pitch coming from Ellis, and it's taken for a strike on the inside corner, 0-2. As it was in the old days, an excellent park for dead pole hitters. And in Cincinnati's case, Johnny Bench, and as we mentioned earlier, Joe Morgan, a right-handed hitter and a left-handed hitter, would love to be able to play in this ballpark. The runner goes, the pitch is swung on and foul. Concepcion just throwing his bat at the ball almost in order to make contact. And Sparky Anderson doing what he said he would do in this World Series, and that is test the arm of Thurman Munson, which at times can be very erratic, and it is something that has shown up at times so far in this series. But Marty, so far in this inning, it hasn't been a particularly robust attack that's gotten these runs. It's um, the champions taking advantage. Through to first base, and Geronimo has to dive back ahead of the swipe tag by Shambler. Grant Jackson continues his deliberations of the Yankee bullpen. The Reds have scored twice in this inning. There is only one man out. Geronimo getting quite a lead at first base. stretches the runner goes they call for a pitch out here's the throw to second and stanley lets the ball get away from him they had him out by a country mile at second base and stanley allowed the ball to hit off the heel of his glove and picked up by willie randolph that should be scored an error on stanley because it was a no contest play at second base munson guessed right he called for a pitch out but they scored a stolen base That's the third time tonight I've disagreed with the uh, official scorer. There was no question that the play was there. Stanley, in his eagerness to get the ball down, had the ball hit the thumb of his glove and it went off. There was daylight between uh, the base and the base runner. But there he is, on second and in scoring position again. So Concepcion, with a count of 1-1, the pitch has swung on and fouled. And I've got to concur with you when we've seen three plays here that certainly would appear to have been scored another way will now have gained credit for two stolen bases in this inning which in tomorrow morning's newspaper will look like a slam against the arm of Thurman Munson but at least in that case that's not so at all. Ellis with the advantage. Here's a fly ball hit to left center field charging is the left fielder White as Geronimo gets a green light coming around third and on into the plate and now the ball getting away from Stanley on the throw end but picking it up is Nettles to hold Concepcion at first. It is three to nothing, Cincinnati that Billy Martin must be inside a little bit irate because he talked in the two games in Cincinnati about the flares that the Reds had in that pair of games at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati is flaring Doc Ellis and the Yankees to death here in the second. By a flare that's a fancy name for a half Hearted Texas leaguer that just loops over the infield. In fact, Roy White charged the ball as though he we were afraid it was going to bounce over his head like it normally would have in Cincinnati. Uh, and he let it bounce to him. He rose up for the second time in his many innings. He looks the ball into Munson's It's low for ball one. Grease opened open with an infield hit to second. Stole second base. Foster with the only well-hit ball in the inning. A double to the right center field alley to make it 1-0. This one is bounced to the left side, Stanley backhand, flips to Randolph one, throw to Chambliss, that's the double play, and that's the inning. Danny Concepcion rolling around at second base as he tried to take Randolph out, but apparently he's all right. Although Concepcion shaking his left arm as he came in hard on Randolph, and he may be a little bit shaken up. In the inning, the Reds get three runs on four bases, no Yankee errors, and one nobody left on base. So at the end of an inning and a half, it's a red free the Yankees nothing. Chili Springfield announces Aramid Plus, an incredible new tire cord. It's a step ahead of steel. This amazing fiber has the strength of steel with less weight. Tire cord is one of the many factors that affect performance, quality, and strength. Put this fiber in a radial tire, and it'll ride smoother than a steel-belted radial. Aramid Plus is a step ahead of steel and flexibility to absorb vibration like an extra shock absorber. Radial tires with Aramid Plus are lighter than steel-belted tires of the same size, and lighter tires result in better gas mileage. Aramid Plus is stronger, more flexible, and lighter, and new Kelly Springfield radials are easily the best tires ever to carry the Kelly Springfield name. Step up to smooth riding radios with Aramut Plus. It's a step ahead of Steel. Kelly Springfield. Tires that make a world of difference. As in the first game at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, the second inning has proven fruitful indeed for the Cincinnati Reds. In each game, they had four hits and scored three runs. The first game, however, they're hitting a little more robust. Today, it was taking advantage of everything that happened in the infield. The one blow that really was worth it was uh, that blow to right center field by George Foster. The rest were singles that died over the infield, or were thrown errantly, or were beaten out along the base And No matter how you did it, the Reds always do it, and they lead 3-0 as the Yankees come up for their second turn of time. As it was in the top of the inning, it'll be the designated hitter leading things off, Carlos May. We might tell you that Davey Concepcion is all right. Not a shortstop for Cincinnati. The pitch to the left handed batting May, a call strike. Reg trainer Larry Starr was out for quite some time during our commercial breakaway, but Concepcion now flexing that left arm was judged to be well enough to remain in the game. The 0 1 to May. Swung on, and that's bounced just off to the left of foul ball as Johnny Bench comes up with it on a hop. Got Zachary being touched for a two-out hit in the first inning by Thurman Munson after allowing Rivers to get on through his own throwing error but promptly picked speedy Mickey Rivers off the first base bag and ended the inning with a flourish a high fastball that got Chris Shambler struck out swinging. Here's a ground ball to first. Perez backs a step. He waves Zachary off and beats me to the bag in a foot race. One down. You know, Marty, Mickey Rivers being picked off first base in the first inning might be the height of frustration for the New Yorkers. In the previous games, he wasn't able to get there. And here he did get there, and before you could take a breath, he was out. And unless Rivers is on those base paths to upset the pitcher, and in this case, the young Zachary, a good deal of the Yankee attack is silent. He makes things happen for this New York club. Here's another man who makes things happen, and Greg Nettles. He led the American League in home runs with 32. Left-handed batter starts to go around on a breaking ball but checks the swing in time as Billy Williams gets help from third-base umpire Dave Phillips. 4-1. I think it's only fair to note that in this series so far, uh, Greg has hit into the two double plays. 1-7 for as a hitter. 2 RBI. The 1-0 to it. That's a fastball high, ball two. Swinging a bat in the Yankee on-deck circle is right fielder Oscar Gamble. Base coaches for the Yankees, Alston Howard at first, Dick Hauser at third base. The 2-0 coming, and that is one on a high deep drive, but it'll be fouled down the right field line. The Cincinnati book on Greg Nettles, a high ball hitter, and Zachary threw one up in his eyes that time, and it could well have cost him. Nettles blowing into his hands on a very, very cool night in New York City. Back in the batter's box as Zachary sends in the 2-1. That has grounded the first base and foul between the bag and the coaching box. They had a hot water bottle in the Yankee on-deck circle earlier, but as we look down now at Oscar Gamble, we see no evidence of it. Well, they have uh, portable heaters under the seat. Uh, I don't know what the implication of that is, but at least it keeps them warm. I don't know what portion of the Yankee anatomy is is getting the good of it, but it is under the seat. Two and two, the count on nettle. Here's a pitch. He checks his swing on a slider inside. Full count. It is 3-0 Cincinnati. As we play baseball in the bottom of the second. they has bounced out to Tony Perez on assistant, and Tony now playing deep for Nettles. Here comes a payoff, and it's high and away, and Nettles is on with the first walk allowed by Zachary in the game. Greg is not only the home run champion of the American League, but he has a very settled idea of what he's worth. He played well over half the season, you know, without signing with the Yankee. He was one of the option players, and then finally he and the Yankee management came to an agreement. So he pretty much knows who he is and what he can do. And he has had a fantastic year at third base when, uh, as a fielder seen anybody play the bag as well since the halcyon days of Brooks Robinson. Now that may be a little sacrilegious, but he was diving and swooping. He was great at third base this year. Oscar Gamble, the batter, Joe Morgan came in from second base to talk with Pat Zachary. Gamble batted only 232 during the season, but he can play long ball. He had 17 home runs and knocked in 57. One out, one on. Zachary with a check of the runner at first base. He pitches. And Gamble swings and fouls this one out of play. I think Oscar hit the longest ball of the Yankees, certainly a hit this year, way up on that second deck, where I see a sign out. So pervasive is the idea of winning may not be everything, but it certainly ameliorates one's feelings. There's a sign out there that says, Brooklyn loves the Yankees. Took a long time for a sign like that to, I guess, be flown in this ballpark. Since the tree grew there. <laughs> Infield, a double play depth. Gamble takes a strike. And so Zachary with the advantage at nothing and two. Tomorrow night, it's going to be right-hander Gary Nolan for Cincinnati, the winningest pitcher on the Red staff. He had 15 of them, one of 10 or 7 pitchers to be in double figures win-wise for the Reds. And it'll be single-singer baller Ed Sigaroa, a right-hander for the Yankees. Pitches up high, one ball and two strikes. Zachary sort of has a hitty, herky jerky movement, especially when he wants to really put the mustard on it. He, he screws up his arm, and, and he comes over with a wrist snap. And more often than not, it's off target. He pitches, and the off-speed pitch is low for the ball, too. So he has gamble in a hole at two strengths, and now will be delivering the two pitch. Well, you referred to him in the pre game show win is cadaverous and I think that's a pretty good description of it I didn't mean that negatively 6'5", 175 pounders accurate here's a fly ball to center field Geronimo started in now drips a bit back and off to his right to Spirit Gamble hit it on the button but Geronimo flagged it down and there are two Yankees out here in the second and stepping in is second baseman Willie Randolph Marty what I meant is uh, when you reach a certain age and, and certain parts of you go to pot you look with some scan at a young man who can still wear a belt size thirty, you know. But he did remind me of Lefty Grove in a, a quarter of a century ago, long, tall, and with an Adam's apple. Second baseman Randolph, one hit six times up in the World Series. Can't ball is high. Ball one. The Reds score three times in the top of the inning. They bounced out to begin the Yankee second. There was a walk to Nettles. Gamble his line to center. Randolph, a right-handed batter. He swings and he misses. Bench comes up as if to throw down to first base. Nettles had blocked the break towards second. But quickly pulled up short and went back into the bag. One ball and one strike. Willie Randolph, briefly with the Pittsburgh Pirates last year. In fact, he made the final out. In the three-game sweep by the Reds over the Pirates in the 75-league championship series. Fly ball, left field, Foster tracking it, pounds the glove, and that's a the second inning. The second-inning numbers for New York. No runs, no hits, they strand to one. At the end of two completed Yankee Stadium, Cincinnati three and New York nothing. Until now, a do-it-yourselfer needed a vice to hold his work, a workbench to hold the vice, and the space to fit the workbench. Hi, Pat Summerall to tell you that True Value Hardware Stores can help you change all that with the Black & Decker Workmate. It's a portable all-purpose workbench, vice, and more. It adjusts to hold wedge-shaped objects, pipe, even irregular and bulky items like bicycles for repair. Yet it weighs just 32 pounds and folds to the size of a collapsed lawn chair, so you can take the workbench to the work. See the Workmate Portable All-Purpose Workbench at True Value Hardware Stores. And while you're there, check out their selection of Black and Decker power tools, like the 3-8-inch power drill. It drills through 3-8-inch steel or 3-4-inch hardwood. It's double insulated for electrical safety, and it's just 988. It's more than just a name. It's their way of doing business going to the top of the third inning with the Cincinnati Reds, as they did in the first game, holding a three-run lead. They have taken the lead in each of these three games. However, tonight, with Doc Ellis on the mound for the New York Yankees, this big crowd of 54,000-plus hopes that he regains his composure. He will set the Reds down from here on in and can stay in the game, because a designated hitter makes that possible, while his Yankees... Conceivably, can chip away at Zachary. That's what they hope and pray. Mr. Griffey, Ken, by first name, comes to the plate. That's a few things to say to Indeed. Billy Williams, the plate umpire. They doodle around, clean up things. You can see the black rim on the outside of the plate, that beveled edge. The speedy Ken Griffey, a 29th draft choice, 29th round. A young man who certainly lose is one of the superstars of the future in the National League to pitch high a ball to him. He batted 336 and lost the batting title on the last day of the season when Cubs third baseman Billy Madlock had four base hits, but still a super year for this kid from Donora, Pennsylvania. And that should ring a bell. Ball two. Dan Musial, of course, from that Pennsylvania city, and this young man trying to make a name for himself in this game of baseball is off and running you had to have brains to trade for Foster and Morgan, but you had to have luck to pick this kid up. Absolutely win. No question about that. Here's a strike taken by the left-handed batter, two and one. He bounced out to first baseman Chambliss in the opening inning. So Doc Ellis trying to get his package together after a rough second as Griffey checking his swing and it cost him a strike, two and two. I recall that the only first draft choice that's do this current red organization is Don Gullett. Johnny Bench was a number two choice. That's exactly right. Bernie Carbo, that year that Bench was drafted number two, was drafted number one. Three balls and two strikes on the pitch one outside. And when he hit that three-run home run in the eighth inning of the sixth game last year, I'm sure he didn't rank that high. It was a Cincinnati red organization. He did it for the Red Sox. Off pitch is chopped to third baseman Nettles. Nice pickup on the short hop, and his throw is in time. Fine play by Jack Nettles against very, very quick running Ken Griffith. That's the kind of play that he has been pulling off all year. That was a bouncer on the Cincinnati turf. For lack of it, it would have gone a mile in the air. As it was, Nettles who was playing him quite far back. Had to come in on the dead run, scoop it up with the glove hand, and without breaking stride, cut it over to Shamblers, and that's what you call an eyelash play. Last year's National League most valuable player, and, well, you talk to many of the folks who are charged with the responsibility of voting, says he's going to do it back-to-back, and that's second baseman Joe Morgan. The change from Ellis' high of all. If anything, he had a better year in 1976. He hit 27 home runs. He batted 320. Here's a foul strike into the middle of Munson, one and one. And knocked in 111 runs to rank second behind teammate George Foster. All that in a total of 141 games, which means he missed completely 21 ballgames. Two and one. Ellis and the Yankees trailing Zachary in the reds, three to nothing. We're in the top of the third. planted firmly on the rubber, has a sign, and has Morgan fouling it off over toward the Cincinnati dugout. Count even at two balls and two strikes as Morgan converses with Yankee catcher Thurman Munson. Did not have a hit, Joe Morgan, in the three-game sweep over the Philadelphia Phillies. Waiting on a 2-2 pitch from right-hander Doc Ellis. It's on the way to the plate. It's cut on and bounced right side. Randolph has it. He throws the first two out. Out or not, Morgan is an example of doing the best you can with what you've got. Of course, he's got everything, but it's all wired together. Electronically, the signal's all mesh. And uh, what does he weigh? 160? 165 pounds on a 5'7 frame. And it it's hard to envision a guy who can pack that kind of power into that kind of physical build. The opposite is this guy, Tony Perez. Pitch to him, swinging a miss. Perez popped out to Randolph in the first. Now five for ten in the World Series. Then either feast or famine for Tony Perez in World Series play. Last year he was zero for fifteen before getting a hit. Strike two. Swinging. When he came out of it against the Boston Red Sox in Game 5 at Riverfront, he came out with a vengeance with two home runs and, of course, hit the big two-run homer in Game 7 off that Bill Lee blooper pitch that erased the 3 nothing Boston lead. He strikes out and impressive. 1-2-3 frame three, three for Doc Ellis. The Reds are out in order. And to the roar of this Yankee Stadium crowd at the end of two and a half, Cincinnati 3, the yankees nothing. Some people go to extremes to tell you how good their shock absorbers are. After thousands of miles of driving on the back roads of Morocco, our new shock absorbers still hold up. Tina the Elephant has been standing on our new shocks for three days. Our new chromium-plated shock absorbers are encased in a magnetically sealed aluminum cylinder, then heated to a temperature of 10,000 degrees. At Midas, we tell you how good our new lifeguard shock absorbers are. Paper. It's called a guarantee. It says if anything goes wrong with our new Midas lifeguard shocks, we'll replace them free for as long as you own your American or foreign car or light truck. There are 228 different lifeguard shocks. One of them is right for the car you drive, the way you drive. The new lifeguard shock absorber from Midas. Guaranteed whether you drive through the Baja or the back roads of Morocco. When it comes to what's under your car at Midas, we're specialists. We have to do a better join the World Series? Well, hey, there's more. CBS Radio Sports is going to bring you a lot of football, both pro and college, December and January, on many of these same CBS Radio Network stations. Right now, all of whom are concerned with the top of the third inning, or the bottom of the third inning, and the New York Yankees, who trailed 3-0, and their sparkling shortstop Fred Stanley, who by midseason had won a competition with Mason as to who is going to be the Yankee shortstop. The latter part of the year, uh, despite his reputation as a light hitter, knocked in with a lot of consequential blows, which uh, he could keep up right now, according to the Yankee fans. They'd be delighted. So Stanley, the number nine batter in the Yankee lineup, is ready to go, and so too is Pat Zachary. The strike is called. one and two for the Yankees in the third inning Stanley to be followed by Mickey Rivers and Roy White the Yankees looking up at a 3 nothing deficit that pitch is low and the count is one ball and one strike Stanley one for four in RBI Zachary rocks to the wide the pitch strike two caught on the outside corner and that pitch right there is the pitch that made Zachary a 14 game winner a slider away And at times, he had a sold-out sign on that outside corner against right-handed batters. He has Stanley swinging on the pitch, and it's going to fall back into the seat. Marty, he was the best pitcher for the Reds in the latter part of the season. Far and away, when he he started out the season in the Cincinnati Bullpen, he got an opportunity to start, won a game in Wrigley Field, and had back-to-back starts against the Dodgers. Before overflow crowds, one in Cincinnati, one in Dodger Stadium, and one handily both times. Here's the chopper to the mound. Zachary definitely cradles into his midsection and flips on to Perez. One down. I had the feeling, and I don't attempt to read Sparky Anderson's mind, but I had the feeling that had not Zachary been the, the comparative youth that he is at 24, he would have started him in the playoff series as the first pitcher. I think uh, on the basis of quality, he deserved this spot. Well, he was far and away the most consistent starter from beginning until end for Cincinnati. Mason Mickey Rivers, who reached on Zachary's throwing error, in the first swing and a miss. There's a change that had Rivers way out in front. Mickey looking to Dick Houser in the third base coaching box. Rose again, as he has been every time this man has come to the plate, playing shallow at third, and Rivers bounces that way, but it finds its way to the Cincinnati dugout. Strike two. two regulars in this World Series without a base hit. Mickey Rivers is one, and Ken Griffey, the Cincinnati right fielder, is the other one. But Griffey is more than made up with it uh, with his feet, as he did in the ninth inning in Cincinnati, to force the error above the shortstop and eventually came home with a winning run. 0 two on the way to Rivers. Swing and a foul. Johnny Best could not hang on to it. That's the only thing that kept Rivers from being struck out, so the count holds at two strikes. The Yankees trying to become the seventh team in World Series play to bounce back from a 2-0 deficit. The last team to do it was the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1971 against Earl Weaver's Baltimore Orioles. Rivers strikes out swinging. Bench drops the ball, tried to tag Rivers, and now throws on to Tony Perez to complete the strikeout, the second of the game for Pat Zachary. Just before the last game of the Kansas City Series, the owner, George Steinbrenner of the Yankees, had a private conference with Mickey Rivers where he came out and had four straight hits, and the presumption was that he was uh, all excited and urged on by the owner. Uh, I understand they had the same kind of a meeting last night, and apparently there were conflicting viewpoints on the meeting. Steinbrenner felt like it was profitable. Mickey Rivers seemed to be a little bit perturbed over it. Call strike is into Roy White was quoted in the New York newspapers this morning as saying some people get into a slump and there's nothing you can do about it. One ball and one strike. The title of that tune is Cry Me a River. <laughs> White popped out to Rose in the first inning. Zachary trying to retire him in order the Reds lead in this game, three to nothing. Strike two calls. Zachary throwing bullseye to the Yankee hitters in the third. out of the batter's box now climbs back in as Johnny Bench sends out the sign and Zachary sends in the pitch check swing ground ball foul at first well the Yankee crowd has not had a whole lot to get excited about Cincinnati sending six batters to the plate in a three run second and as wind pointed out the second inning has become a good luck charm for the Cincinnati Reds in this World Series Strikes this thing outside, Zachary, two and two. And for those who have the second inning in the pool, maybe they want enough to build one. I would think so. White looking at a straightaway Cincinnati outfield. He checks his swing on the change up high ball three. Zachary has gone three two to a number of Yankee batters here in the early inning. That Sparky Anderson pays a great deal of attention to, and uh, of course with a man by the name of Raleigh Eastwick in his bullpen. When you get to the late innings talking about the eighth and ninth, you can look for that possibility. Here's ball four high. Zachary has surrendered his second walk. That'll keep the Yankee third going for catcher Thurman Munson, who is the possessor of the only New York kid, a first-inning single to center field this guy can pull the ball under the left field stand, but recently, because they've been pitching him outside as an intelligent hitter, which he is, he's been riding the ball to right with power. It's not impossible for him to reach the stand, but he has also been reaching the empty part of the green. Now Pat Zachary is down on his right knee pointing to the bottom of his left. Evidently, it's nothing physical. It's probably the spike's He's taken the spade out and cleaned out the spikes. The shortstop and catcher-bencher immediately out there with memories of Don Gullett and the, and the ripped tendon there. But he's okay as the young man from Texas. The inevitable comparison has been made in this World Series between the two catchers who claim to be the best in baseball, Johnny Bench and Thurman Munson. Munson will not have any talk at all concerning that subject. He says Johnny Bench does his thing and I do my thing. And both have a strong argument in their own right. So a runner at first is White on the 2 out walk. And here's Zachary's pitch to Thurman, a swing and a miss. Munson, a much more disciplined hitter than Johnny Bench in the sense of exactly what Win Elliott was talking about just a moment ago. He will go to right field. Johnny Bench, the book on him, a dead pull hitter. He feels like he's paid to hit home runs and drive in runs, and on a rare occasion will go to right, as we saw earlier in the series in Cincinnati. Swing and a miss. Zachary effectively keeping that ball down to Munson. With good results and two-strike count. In the last two World Series, catchers have been emotionally so important. Who will ever forget the catcher for the Boston Red Sox in his home run, Carlton Fisk, in the sixth inning, rather than their sixth game? Brunson has had three hits and nine times up. He hits one to center, but Geronimo should play it. And he does to end the inning. The Yanks still runs, no hits. One man left on, and after three full, it remains Cincinnati three and New York nothing. You know, my life, never won a darn thing. Thought I was a born loser. Then I played budget a cars. I can't wait to win sweepstakes. And I won, because every licensed driver wins. New first prizes of a new Chevrolet Caprice all the way to terrific-looking T-shirt iron-ons. What I win, <laughs> none of your business. Expires November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See our mail-in offer in national magazines. Rules are available at participating budget-rented car locations where GM and other fine cars are featured series time means cold weather and time to start piling up that firewood. It's an easy job with a Remington gas or electric chainsaw. Lightweight, powerful, and available in assorted sizes. They'll do just about any cutting job. So after the game, drop by your nearest Remington dealer and ask him to show you one of the many value-packed Remington chainsaws. A mighty might gasoline starting at $104.95 or the popular Lehman Trim electric for as low as $29.95. Cutting wood? Think about Remington, the chainsaw in a class by itself. Want to know what designated hitters do between innings? Well, if you're Carlos May and you're the Yankee designated hitter, you go out and warm up the pitcher until Simon Munson could get the tools of his trade back on. Speaking of Munson, catchers have been so prominent in World Series play. A guy in the Yankee dugout by the name of Yogi Berra, Almost impossible to strike him out. Almost impossible to throw a pitch anywhere in the park that he wouldn't go after. And Elston Howard, the first base coach, we mentioned his first appearance in a World Series, first time at bat, he hit a home run. I don't want to go back into the ice age, but I remember Gabby Hartnett with that home run just before the sky fell in to win a, a year's play for the Chicago Cubs. It set them then, and Bill Dickey winning a World Series. What well, could go on and on, but I'm not going to because the first batter's up, Marty. That batter will be Danny Dreesen, the designated hitter, who's opened up the three-run second with an infield hit to second base. It fits to him as wide a ball. When you talk about the 29th-round draft choice Ken Griffey some years back, this man out of Hilton Head, South Carolina, was signed as a free agent by Cincinnati. He swings and hits one at time. Deep right center field, and it's out of here for a home run. Danny Dreesen taking the ground tour as he jumped on a fastball from Doc Ellis and deposits that shot into the seats in right center, the second home run of this World Series, and the Reds shoot their lead out to a 4 nothing count. Marty, I think it would be a real test of character now to ask Sparky Anderson what he thinks of the designated hitter. If he were to jump up and down in his gentlemanly manner like he does and say, I think it's an abomination, I would respect him as a man above and beyond the call of duty, but right now I think he feels a little warm about the whole thing. We'll bring up george foster of course the reds have been outspoken in their denial of the designated hitter they do not like it and they would hope that it never comes to the national league i think in the next year or so they're going to be disappointed in that feeling the pitch is in for a strike to foster but well, i've said it before but i think the designated hitter is more honest than those cheap triples that bounce off the reds turf those fly balls that land 10 feet in the back of the shortstop and then bounce equally high over the fielder's head. You know, he can't have it both ways. No, that's true. One strike on Foster. Ellis in with a pitch. Foster hits a line drive, fielded on a hop, deep behind second by Randolph. He throws, and he got it. Five play by Willie Randolph. You're a second baseman. You can't make a better play than this young man from Brooklyn, New York, just made. And Marty, where the Yankees, as a result of the home run by Treason could be at the point of disintegrating, at least spiritually, that's the kind of a play, mentally, that can bring you back in and say, well, all is not lost. We can still make a play like that. We can still do it. And you talk about the comparisons between playing on natural grass and artificial turf. That ball's a base hit in Cincinnati. Here's Johnny Bench, foul at third. We've got double-barrel action in the Yankee bullpen. Dick Tidrow, a right-hander, has joined left-hander Grant Jackson. The Reds four, the Yankees nothing. A threesome home run to the bleachers in right center to kick off this fourth inning. Foster thrown out on an out of sight play by Willie Randolph deep behind the second base bag. Bench goes to right field. That's going to be a base hit. Slicing drive away from Gamble. Bench has taken the turn and he's going to hold. As Gamble shotgun one back to the infield and Freddie Stanley. Billy Martin has bounced out of the Yankee dugout and we may well be in line for a New York Yankee pitching change right here. I don't think there's any doubt about it. The Yankees cannot afford to go down three dips. They uh, are well on their way now, trailing four nothing, and this the third inning, only one out, Johnny Vetch confounding the Yankee dupe and a wrong uh, in anticipation of the cut of a hit he is, slapped a line drive single into the corner in right field. His second right field hit of the series. The previous one in Cincinnati, a screaming drive, the parabola of l- which looked like it was going into the stands at the last second, Little English, and came down and bounced off the wall. And his, se- his second hit in this World Series to the right field corner. At the moment, uh, we're not sure who's coming in because the tableau at the plate, or rather at the rubber, is still Stanley Munson. Billy Martin and now making the long tour around the perimeter of the Yankee right field who will come down the first base side and when the door opens it will be number 25 Jackson of the New York Yankees here he comes Grant Jackson coming out Grant who came to the Yankees in a trade from Baltimore For Rudy May and Tippi Martinez, he came along with Kenny Holtzman. Kenny Holtzman, of course, the forgotten man in this series. He is neither a lead nor started. And for a man with all that World Series experience, uh, Holtzman has said he would do whatever the manager has told him to do. And so far, the manager has told him to just sit there, like little Jack Horner. But Grant Jackson, who in the latter part of the season, uh, Marty, was the most effective a New York Yankee reliever and by that I mean he could go six and seven innings Has now come in I believe this is his second appearance in the series his first he appeared in the uh, the playoffs and was effective then then, uh, Alexander Lyle Hunter Ellis Grant Jackson. I know it excuse me. Grant was up on his feet so many times in the bullpen. So when Hunter was staggering in that second game. But here's Grant, a left-hander. He's low smoke, as we used to say in the old days. Now it's velocity. I think because so many college kids have come into the big league. the, um, the language has sort of been upgraded. It's now velocity instead of speed. It's location instead of control. The one thing I wish they would change why they say you go 3-4-4. Four, four. When we were kids, we said three out of four. The 3-4-4 four, four is a bit of flag that I don't buy. But let's see what Grant Jackson would, can do with the rest of this Cincinnati lineup, Marty. Goody going to be facing Cesar Geronimo, who reached on a fielder's choice in the second inning to pick up an RBI. Johnny Bench at first base, a run in, one out. Pitch, missing high of all. Jackson, a native of Ohio. He hails from Fastoria, Ohio. Six feet hundred and ninety pounder. Now makes his home in Caguas, as Puerto Rico. He gets the inside corner as Geronimo steps away from the plate. The count even is at one one. Wynn talked about his pitching exploits during the season. Overall, he was seven and one with a two fifty-four earned run average and thirty-four appearances, all but two in relief. Before dealing to the plate, he deals to Shambliss and Bench with a quick step back. Dick Tittrow continues to loosen up in the Yankee bullpen. And now they've got Bench picked off. The throw to Shambliss, the throw to Stanley, and Bench is out sliding. Now Johnny Bench was going on the pitch. Jackson threw that way, and Bench is a dead duck. One to three to six. Well, you can go half a year and not see anybody picked off base, and in this game tonight, in the first four innings, we've seen two... Mickey Rivers is the Yanks and now bench. So now two away. And this pitch is inside a big breaking ball. Two balls and a strike. Geronimo, in addition to batting home a run in the second, also scored one of the Cincinnati three runs. He swings and hits one to right, coming in gamble. He makes the shot. Jeff Dye, and that's all for Geronimo, and that's all for the Reds. One run on two base hits. The run scoring hit the home run by Dreesen. And after three and a half, it's a red four and the Yankees' nothing. Here comes the Pace Citizens Band. Join the base. Radio citizen band. It's the greatest band in the land. It's the greatest band in the land. Goes in that Pace Band. the base? Radio band. You got the world by the ears. You got the world. Any citizens fan get state-of-the-art CV design from Pace, a pioneer in solid state TV. When you've got a pace TV radio, you've got the world by the ears. ears. Buy a 23-channel pace before December 31st, and you can have it updated to a 40-channel. Ask your dealer. Meet of the New York Yankee batting order is coming up here to play the fourth inning. Chris Chambliss, Carlos May, Greg Metals, and Oscar Campbell. And with that porch within reaching distance of all of them, may I be allowed to say that they like their porch shot? No, I don't think i better say. It. Marty, you better come on. Okay, Wes. Well. Pat Zachary is secure in the knowledge that he has a four run lead with which to work. Ready to deal with Shambliss for the second time. Zachary won the first inning battle as he struck him out on a 3-2 fastball. And they are up in arms at Yankee Stadium. They want to see some offense from the Bronx Bombers. Here's Shambliss and here's Zachary. Swung on by the mound. Big the field. The 17th straight game and with Chris is hit safely two records in the league championship series of 0-5-11. Pete Rose held that record in 1972. He came up with nine. And Chambliss banded home eight runs to break a record formerly held by Henry Aaron, who had seven in 1969. Carlos May grounded out to Tony Perez. As a leadoff batter in the second, he's in now with Chambliss at first. Zachary Redding. The pitch taken over the plate, but below the knees. Ball one The Carlos Bay. Whatever a welcome is, the New York crowd is now making it ring. That they are. No empty seats in this place tonight, I'll tell you. Strike is called, one and one. That base hit for Shambliss is fourth in the World Series. Johnny Bench leads everybody with six. Tony Perez has five, and Foster joins Shambliss with four apiece. Swing and a foul to the screen. So Zachary ahead on designated hitter Carlos May. One ball and two strikes. That hit by Shambliss, only the second in the game for New York. The other being a first-inning single by Thurman Munson. While the Yankees, or rather the Reds, have had seven in scoring their four runs off the departed Doc Ellis. Right swinging. And that's a strikeout for Zachary, his third in this game. Mark one up for the kid, and that's instance because Carlos May is not an easy strikeout. He's a very discriminating hitter and very often will take two to wait for the one. That time, he never found it. One down now with Greg Nettles, who was the base runner in the second inning through one of two watts that Pat Zachary has given up. The infield, a double play depth, the fastball is up. 4-1. Zachary seemed to slip a bit on the mound that time, uh, Marty. He looked back at it as, so to say, nasty. Checking in with Johnny Bench. Six. Down and in. Two balls and no strike. Don Gullett, the first game winner for Cincinnati. He, of course, suffered the dislocated tendon. Eliminates him from any more World Series competition in 76. Swing and a foul it will be out of here. Back into the upper deck behind the plate. Jack Billingham retiring eight batters in a row in relief. of uh, Freddie Norman, under frigid weather conditions in Cincinnati Sunday night, picked up the Game 2 victory. And now Zachary trying to do it here against the Yankees to give the Reds a 3 nothing lead in this World Series. They lead it 4 nothing. Outside and high three and one. You know, Marty, with a four-run lead and a man on first base and you've got one out, it's not the most uh, dramatic of the moments. Yet the, the the fanaticism of the crowd, the constant murmur, they're egging on the Yankees, has put this a little out of context, I think, for the young pitcher. He's going too hard. He needs a strike and he does not get it. He walks. second base, and now the Yankees are trying to stir something up in the fourth inning with two eyes, one out, and Oscar Gamble at the plate. I think the crowd has, has done it. Now the pitching coach, Larry Shepard, uh, has come out. I think he feels it, too. It's just constant din, this hubbub, the emotion of the crowd has gotten to Pat Zachary. Like I said before, a man on first, you've got a four-run lead, one out. This, this, you know, you're not going to trip into position because of that. But with Netto's up, and he, of course, knows he's got the 30-plus home runs, Zachary started reaching back and letting it fly. Well, only the very best of the pitchers, the most experienced, can maintain their location or their control uh, in that kind of a situation. And so Larry Shepard has come out, I presume, to tell him, don't act your age, act like the uh, top pitcher you are, now this Gamble is coming up. He's a free swinger. I'll try to jam it over there. Make it nibble. Make him make the mistake. Stay with it. Okay, Marty. Okay, here's Gamble. Zachary checking Chambliss at second. The pitch is in for strike one call. This man has the capabilities, as we pointed out earlier tonight, with one swing of the bat to get his club back to within one run. They've got Chambliss at second base. They've got Greg Nettles at first with one out. Zachary ready with the 0-1 delivery. That's up high for a ball. When he gets back there and rears it, he goes high all the time, Marty. And I'm sure Larry Shepard was out talking prime early with his follow-through and just what you're speaking of here when the fact that he has been up with so many of his pitches and this Yankee club, a predominantly high-ball-hitting team. Two balls and a strike, that pitch was five. Johnny Bench looking into the Cincinnati dugout. We might tell you that with a 4-0 lead, despite the Yankees having two men on, nobody yet throwing in the Cincinnati bullpen. Waiting is Oscar Gamble. He swings and pops it back behind the plate, but Johnny Bench watching it ride out of here. Somebody missed out on the souvenir because that ball was in the upper deck and now it dropped down out the screen just below us. Mm-hmm. And a momentary release in the tension that the Yankee fans have themselves created, and I think with effect on the young pitcher. But this kind of thing builds within you, and here they come again. The infield looks for the bouncing ball. The two-two pitch. Two check swing foul ball. Gamble hesitated on it, not knowing exactly what to do with it he gains a reprieve of sorts on the check swing foul account holding it two balls and two strikes. Two up next second baseman Willie Randolph. The first threat that the Yankees have posed in this game. Gamble swings and again foul so he's proving to be a tough customer for Pat Zachary as Zachary continues now to throw strikes and Gamble wastes him with foul balls. And everybody's forgotten that it's cold out. I would say that is a most accurate statement. Actually, not as cold as it was in Cincinnati on Sunday night. The wind has died down considerably in New York City. Here's a line drive into center field. That's a hit. Here comes a runner rounding third. Geronimo cracks it toward the plate. Cut off by Tony Perez. The run is in. A base hit to center field by Oscar Gamble, and it's four to one. As the Yankees have come up with their first run. Goes to second base. Willie Randolph will be the batter. And New York trying to battle back in game three as they did in Cincinnati in game two when they fell behind three to nothing. And that pitch seemed to me to be high, but a little out over the plate. Gamble, instead of trying to pull it into the porch in right field, stroked it on a line into center field, and the came was in a whisker, of bouncing over the head of Geronimo. That has gone way out to the 4.17 mark. That would have been two in and gambled at least on third. And now the exuberant Yankee patrons in the porch um, in right field saluted that Yankee Sally with some ticker tape. Well, it's wider than ticker tape. And it's, I guess it's softer than ticker tape. It, it ain't ticker tape. We've got activity for the first time tonight in the Cincinnati bullpen. Right-hander Pedro Bourbon is throwing, along with left-hander Will McIntyre. Now we've got Ellie Hendricks running in for the Yankee bullpen and left-center field toward the dugout. So Billy Martin may be thinking pitch hitter sometime in this inning. We'll have to wait and see. Hendricks has now reached the Yankee dugout and has gone to the rack where they have the helmet. Here's a pitch to Randolph down and away for a ball. Has been through the mill, mighty as a member of the Orioles. He's a left-handed batter. He can reach the porch, and I presume he has more patience for at least as much as the weak-hitting side, Stanley. The one zero to Randolph, swung on and popped up. That's going to be playable by Johnny Bench as he comes toward the red zone, deck circle and beyond, and he's got it. For round number two. off a high foul pop to Johnny Bench as Pat Zachary begins to breathe a little bit easier and while Fred Stanley is a scheduled batter he will not hit. It'll be Ellie Hendricks coming on as the Yankee pinch hitter. Now we're going to get a convention of Cincinnati players around the bounds. Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan all crowding around 6'5 Pat Zachary to talk over I'm sure the book on Ellie Hendricks. Hendricks was more or less a throw-in in the deal uh, with Baltimore. The main uh, the channels, of course, uh, were Holtzman and Doyle Alexander. But he came along as part of the package and gave the Yankees their third catcher. They have Fran Healy from Kansas City. And uh, Ellie Hendricks, of course, the one with the most experience, uh, much more experienced than Healy. As I say, Hendricks has been through the mill. The championship mill is a member of the championship of Baltimore Orioles. He is a left-handed hitter. He is slight and spindly of build, but he can put it together like Morgan can, and if if he gets all the sinos on it, he'll go. And he's done it before. And, of course, that's the whole theory right now. Do it again. Four home runs on the year, nine RBIs. batted all, what, 160. But in this spot, experience. Marty Hendricks waiting. And the pitch is outside ball one. Well, the book on Hendricks, he's a low inside fastball hitter. So that's the area in which Pat Zachary does not want to throw the baseball. A run in, two on, two out. Pitch on the way to the plate. Swung on and hit very high into left center field. Foster is under, waiting, and makes the catch for the inning ending out. Well, the Yankees in the fourth inning, a run. On a couple of hits, they leave two on four complete, Cincinnati 4, New York 1. Time out. Time out for tires. Kelly Springfield Tires. Time for you to check the tire prices now featured at Kelly Springfield Auto Service Stores and participating dealers. It's a coast-to-coast and border-to-border event featuring radial passenger tires. Also belted 4-5 poly and snow tires in snow areas. Be smart. Take time out. Time out for tires while the selection is at its best. See the tires on display and make your best deal on quality Kelly Springfield tires for your car. There's a size and type that's right for you and your driving. Score big now. Remember, time out for tires at all Kelly Springfield auto service stores and participating dealers, as well as many Sunoco and other service stations. Ellie Springfield tires that make a world of difference. As we go into the top of the fifth inning here at Yankee Stadium when Elliott and Marty Brennan, there will be a defensive change for the Yankees, of course. Fred Stanley out because of Hendrick's pinch hit form into play shortstop for the Yankees will be Jim Mason. Mason actually started off the year as the regular Yankee shortstop and was displaced by Stanley. So we have Mason at shortness. And look out to left field. I see various patches of more green, greener than green, which is the result, I suspect, of the groundkeepers of replacing some of the torn-up turf after Shambliss put the Yankees in the World Series Marty. When I was told earlier today, they put down approximately 1,500 square feet of new turf as a result of the exuberant Yankee fans after Shambliss' home run. Here's Davey Concepcion, who delivered a run-scoring single in the second. He takes a strike from Lefty Jackson. So Grant Jackson beginning his first inning after coming on in relief of Ellis in the last frame. Full breaking ball is outside. One ball and one strike. Sit down the way. Swing and a foul back to the screen. One ball and two strikes to count. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the CBS Radio Network up with Frank Beeman and Dale McCarran. Weekday mornings on News Radio 78, WDDN, Chicago. Jackson pitching to Concepcion, and the ball again is foul. Marty, it doesn't seem to me as though Concepcion is uh, favoring the left elbow at all. No, it doesn't. I'm sure that gave Sparky Anderson a great deal of concern momentarily. When Davey fell, he strikes out swinging on a pitch out away from him. Picked by Grant Jackson. He had Concepcion chasing a bad ball. So Jackson rings up his first strikeout and the second for Yankee pitching in the game as we go back to the top of the red batting order for Pete Rose. I wonder if the best uh, designated hitter in the history of the National League will stay in there now that they have a left-handed pitcher. Well, if Jackson stays in, our listeners can look massively to Bob Bailey to come on and hit we'll have to wait and see call strike to Rose who's got a hit and two times up in the second he ended that inning with a ground into a double play he swings and chops one along the first baseline up punch and throwing to Chandler. color two out so Grant Jackson has saved three batters he's retired them all as Pete Rose says something going by the mound to Jackson and or third baseman greg nettles who was standing over there here's kenny Griffith. still without a hit in the series he's bounced to first he was robbed of an infield in the third inning on an out of sight play by greg nettles that's four yankees one we're in the top of the fifth swing and a fly ball left center field vicky rivers deal watch roy white play it and that ends the inning the reds are out one two three for the second time tonight We are halfway through. Game three of the 1976 World Series. The Reds with the advantage over the Yankees at 4-1. If you can see the writing on the wall, it's probably time to repaint again. Hi, Pat Summerall to suggest you use True Test Easy Care Latex Flat Enamel Paint from your True Value Hardware store. So the next time you see the handwriting on the wall, all you'll need to do is wipe it off. Stains, grease, and grime can't readily penetrate Easy Care's hard enamel finish, so they simply wash away, and you don't need to repaint as often. And because Easy Care has a soft finish, you can have both the flat, smooth look of a latex and the washability of a tough enamel in your living room, family room, in fact, any room. True Test Easy Care has earned the Good Housekeeping Seal of Approval, and it's available at your True Value Hardware store. For a more velvety finish, you'll want True Test Satin Hue Flat Interior Latex. Satin Hue has the finest quality flat smooth finish in 48 decorator colors plus white. See the complete selection of True Test paint exclusively at your participating True Value hardware store. True Value, more than just a name, their way of doing business. Four and a half innings to go. The first half inning will bring up the New York Yankees who threatened in the last inning got their one run on two hits had the crowd roaring as Ellie Hendricks came up with two on to pinch it from the left side of the plate but couldn't do it, fly it out to left field. So they shoulda, coulda, woulda the 1976 third game series go on. And once again, the Yankee Rooters come to it to exhaust their, their team on. First up, the guy that's going to do it if the Yankees are going to do it at all, Mickey Rivers. And you can hear the expected roar in the background from jam-packed Yankee Stadium fans as Rivers cuts on the first pitch and sends it back to the screen, a foul ball. Vicky O for 2 was on in the first inning through a throwing error by Pat Zachary, was picked off and then struck out swinging in the third. Zachary rocks and deals. Swung on, the on back, reaches up, he it a it left field. So Mickey Rivers has finally solved the riddle with a fly ball to the shallowest part of left field. Concepcion gave it a run for its money, but the ball just fell over his outstretched glove for a wrong field single to left. And I thought I heard the splintering of Rivers' bat on that play. He just reached out and just placed it a wee Willie Keeler type hit just over the outstretched hands of Concepcion, who then fell rather heavily on his left side, but he got up without any um, attention being paid. So so, I guess he's all right. You want to manage a little bit, do you send Rivers with your club three runs down? We'll see. Here's a pitch low to Roy White. White popped out in the first inning. Rose squeezed it. Got a walk in the third. And once again, we've got activity in the Cincinnati bullpen with left-hander Will any up for the second time in as many innings He's not going to go, Marty. Uh, ball is high, ball two. I think I have detected in the way Rivers holds his body as to whether he's going to go or not going to go. I mean, I'll, I'll go out on a limb. That time, I, I knew he wasn't going to go. Let's watch him again. You watch the plate, I'll watch him. Zachary behind, two and nothing. on I may. I'll, I'll go out on a limb. That time, uh, I knew he wasn't going to go. Let's watch him again. You watch the plate. I'll watch him. Zachary behind. Two and nothing He's on the one. not going to go. Right. That one is high and inside. Ball three. Well, right now, Pat Zachary having a hard time enjoying his prosperity. He is leading by three runs, but he saw the Yankees death the plate on him in the last inning. Has given up an opening single to Rivers here in the fifth and is a pitch away from walking Roy White. Joe Morgan has been to the mound. He now goes back to his second-base position. Three balls, no strikes. Thurman Munson will be up next. The fifth. That ball four. his fourth walk. And I think the crowd is speaking for itself. Now there's action in the Cincinnati bullpen. Will McIntyre, as we pointed out, is growing. And Thurman Munson, who tonight is single and lined out to center field, is the Yankee batter. trying to get it together. Munson taking his time, moving into the batter's box. Zachary has a little bit more time on the mound to think about what's happening here. Rivers takes his walking lead at second. Roy White is off the first-base bag, and the pitch to Thurman Munson is on the way. Swung on line drive. Perez has it. Goes to second. Double play. Things have gone. All Cincinnati's way in this World Series, and again it happens. As Munson it's a slicing line drive that Perez played, and a quick throw to Concepcion makes Mickey Rivers a dead duck at second. And only because Rivers is so fast and was taking advantage of the moment and was so far off second, he was unable to get by. And what's to say? Here's Chris Shambliss. Swing a miss. Pitch down and out away for the big left handed batter. Chambliss, born in Dayton, Ohio, which is just up the road about 40 miles or so from Cincinnati. The son of a Navy chaplain. And a man swinging a torrid bat for the New York Yankees. One ball and one strike to him. Well, they'll be shoulda coulda wouldn't that play in the dressing room later. A half foot higher from Munson that would have been in the right field at least one run as it is two out with White still at first base this one fouled away by Shandless one and two the count the Yankees trailing the Reds four to one Cincinnati getting a three spot in the second a solo home run from Danny Dreeson in the fourth the same inning in which the Yankees scored their only run to date Missing with a pitch, two and two. Pat Zachary against Chris Shambliss. Zachary, a visit to the rising bag on the back slope of the pitching mound. Yanks have reached him for four hits, a wrench of had seven off of starting pitcher Doc Ellis. Grant Jackson has not given up anything in relief. The break-even pitch is on the way. He struck him out swinging with a changeup. He dropped down a bit on Shambliss and pull the string on him to record strikeout number four. New York's fifth inning, no runs. One base hit, one man is left, and as we move to the Cincinnati sixth inning, it's the Reds four and the Yankees one. The top of the sixth inning. Marty? Okay, Wynn, Joe Morgan will start it off for the Reds. He's batting 300 in the World Series, three hits and 10 times up, two for extra bases, a home run, a triple. Grant Jackson delivers to the left-handed batting second baseman a bull. Has his face four batters. He has retired four straights. As Morgan taking the inside high fastball, two and nothing. Well, here's a man you have to pitch to. Joe Morgan, one of the most disciplined hitters and knowledgeable hitters in so far as that strike zone is concerned. Every year walks over a 100 times. He's just taken a strike on the inside edge. Two balls, one strike with Jackson dealing. Swing and a miss. Came right overhand with that big breaking ball. He could call that pitch a curve change that Jackson throws. And he had Morgan out in front, two and two. And now Joe stepping out as Jackson goes to the windup. Batter and pitcher ready. Morgan with a bat-handle foul ball that will be out of the screen. watching the action from the Cincinnati on-deck circle. Munson hanging a sign, and now with Jackson taking too much time on the mound, Morgan steps away once again. The activity that had been so prevalent for Cincinnati bullpen Will McEnany has now ceased. As he pops him up. Let's see if Munson has a play as he races to the base of the screen and it falls on top and out of his reach. You know, Barney, Joe Morgan is not only the complete baseball player physically but mentally he is so much the realist he faces things as they are in the dressing room the other night somebody asked him how about this series you're two up and now he says i savored the moment as of the moment i don't know how long this team is going to stay together how long i'll be with it so i live and i love this moment tomorrow's another day pretty good philosophy again the two-two pitch that's a fastball and that's a strikeout morgan is arguing with billy williams Williams calls him out as Morgan's turning around, and Joe felt like he was able to check his swing, but Williams says, no, you did not. Making two strikeouts tonight for Grant Jackson as a very disgruntled Joe Morgan goes back to the Cincinnati dugout talking to himself. Grant Jackson doing the job for Billy Martin's Yankees. Tony Perez is 0 for 2. There's a changeup that stays high for ball one. Perez has popped out to the second baseman Randolph He has struck out swinging Up and in, ball two Swung on and knocked down by Jackson He picks it up third base side of the mound And throws him out, good play by Grant was hit hard, he deflected it onto the third base side of the pitching mound. Tony Perez a grin on his face as he runs by Jackson and onto the Cincinnati dugout. I can imagine, Mikey, you won that time. <laughs> Before the series started, uh, I was down in a batting cage with Perez and company, and uh, even though you can ha- hardly understand him, he-, he really gives up with the rips. Danny Dreesen, two for two tonight. Jackson drops down on him with a fastball that eludes Thurman Munson. Dreesen, after reaching on an infield hit and ultimately scoring in the second, Homer to the right center field bleachers in the fourth inning. Strike is called, and he remains the only designated hitter in the history of the National League. He was not replaced by Bailey. Ball bouncing up there. Munson playing it on the hot ball, too. Two and one. So the Cincinnati offense has quieted down considerably after doing all of its damage against starter Doc Ellis. Ball three. Jackson having trouble with a left-handed batter. Danny Dreesen with a count of three and one and Foster on deck. We're in the top of the sixth inning. The Reds lead the Yankees by three. Jackson collecting his thoughts, bends at the waist to get the sign and comes with a pitch. Wung fly ball, right center, Rivers in. He'll not be able to play it. He short-hopped the ball, and here comes Dreeson to second. He's going to be safe. Close <laughs> play at second base. As Jim Mason took Mickey Rivers' throw, and Danny Dreesen will be credited with a two-base hit. <laughs> Mickey Rivers is not supposed to have an arm, but twice in this series, his throws have been right off the money, but not with the velocity required to nip the man. A throw to the plate, he was beaten, and now a throw to second. Uh, had he had a little more musty you remember he had hurt his shoulder in the latter part of the year, and he's not been able to throw as well as he usually does. But that was just an eyelash away from catching that man at second. Now well, the Reds felt like they could run not only on Mickey Rivers, but also on Roy White and just about anybody else that Billy Martin sent to the Yankees' outfield, and so far, that scouting report has been most accurate. And attention, Sparky Anderson, the designated hitter that you don't like. has got three hits tonight. That he does. And as many times up. Here's George Foster. Foster is one for two. A double a knock home a run. And robbed of a base hit on the play by Randolph his last time up. Now as Jackson stretches, Foster, as he did so many times during the season, steps out on the pitcher. Threes checking check in the whereabouts of Randolph and Mason. The pitch to the plate that is high ball one Foster batting 444 four for nine all nine Reds by the way in this World Series have at least one RBI swing at a miss. Matt Jackson simply playing good old-fashioned hardball with Foster on that pitch count is level to the ball in one strike Foster has knocked in two runs in this series trying to get at home to again give the Reds a four-run lead. Low inside, ball two. Foster getting a firm toehold with that back right foot. Waving the bat around and now has it cocked. He swings and pops it in the air. That could be a problem. Randolph going out. Gamble coming in. It's going to be caught by Oscar Gamble, a running catch. As he ventured toward the foul line in right field to get Foster's fly ball and in the Cincinnati Six. No runs, one hit, one left. We played five and a half. It remains the Reds four, the Yankees one. After the sixth inning here at Yankee Stadium, Marty Brenneman and Wynn Elliott as the Yankees come to bat, trailing four to one. Young Pat Zachary has held them in check with just four hits in the first five at bats for the Yankees, whereas a combination of Yankee pitchers, Doc Ellis and Brad Jackson, have given up eight. Despite the three-run lead by Cincinnati, they have not dominated the game as such. They got three runs in the second inning very quickly with four hits. Then a home run by Dreeson accounted for all four of their runs. The Yankees have threatened twice in addition to getting their run. And, of course, the fulmination by the crowd has made it seem like the Yankees have perhaps done more than they actually have. But you get the feeling the game is closer and that anything can happen in this latter part of the game. All right, Marty. Okay, when Carlos May. 0 for 2, a ground out to first, a strikeout swinging. Dueling Pat Zachary to lead off the Yankees' sixth, and it's in there for strike one. New York has been relegated to a one-run, four-hit roll to the first five rounds off this young Texan. Swing, fly ball, center field. There's Cesar Geronimo. He's got it. One away. I don't mean to intimate that Geronimo reminds me of DiMaggio in the sense that has uh, his all-around capacity as a player, but he moves like Joe used to and the fluidity of his steps. I found out as a kid that if you run on your heels out there, you know, the ball jumps up and down, and it's liable to hit you in the face as well as to catch it. You have to run on your toes, and that's the way he does it. Greg Nettles with a drive to deep right field, but the ball curving, and it'll be fouled into the upper deck. Zachary has had all sorts of trouble tonight with this man. He is walked him twice, once in the second, once again in the fourth. Medals from beautiful San Diego, California. Now makes his home in Costa Mesa. The strike one pitch. Swing and a miss. Zachary has struggled through two rough and rocky innings. The Yankees scored a run against him in the fourth inning. They put their first two men on in the fifth before he enticed Munson to line into a double play and retire Shambliss on a strikeout. He has just struck out Medals on three pitches. That's his fifth of the game. And as he works on a possible 1, 2, 3, 6, he'll go to work on Oscar Gamble. What are the percentages, Marty, because you watch the teams every day, when a guy hits a foul home run like Nettles did then, not by much, he almost never comes back and gets a base hit. Well, if he's a smart pitcher, he'll put that back in his memory bank and remember not to throw it again. Mm -hmm. And in that case, Zachary did not. He was able to get the ball down. Got him on strike two swinging on an off speed pitch and then punched him out with a fastball away. Ball is high to gamble. One for two, a run scoring single in the fourth inning. Reds over the Yankees four to one, two outs. Yankees sixth inning, swing, fly ball, shallow right. Morgan racing out, Griffey coming in. Morgan falls, and that's the inning. The Yankees are out in order for what is the first time in this game. And as we move to the final three innings of action, it's the Reds over the Yankees, 4-1. to one. Proving that the exception proves the rule, if I may be redundant, the next batter up, Johnny Betch, was a guy who hit a foul home run, I think it was in 1972, in the National League playoffs against the Pirates. The most exciting moment which he set in his career. He hit a foul home run against the Pirates. Remember he told a story that his mother was in the first row and said, get one, will you, Johnny? And he said, I wish it was that easy. On the next pitch, he straightened it up and tied up the National League playoffs much as he did against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies just the other day. And this is Johnny Bench, Marty. He's riding a hot bat win, two for two tonight. Grant Jackson comes with that curve change that misses Lowe. Bench had an infield hit in the second inning and then lined a single the right in the fourth and was promptly thrown out stealing. Two balls and no strikes. He's had his physical problems this year, hasn't he, Marty? Well, it's pretty much a carryover from what he had last year. He had a shoulder had shoulder surgery in Oklahoma City at the end of last season. Strike is called to it. And and Ted Kleszewski, the Reds batting instructor, says that the bad habits that Bench fell into as a result of that problem shoulder last year, he was not able to get out of this season. Two and two on a swinging strike. But I'll tell you, Sparky Anderson predicted that he would have a fine playoff and a fine World Series. And the man has proven to be a prophet in the case of Johnny Bench because he is swinging a hot bat for Cincinnati. Is that that angry-looking Red weld on his left shoulder? Yes. Jackson is even with him at two and two. It a long time to get Munson signed now delivers and bench stays alive with a foul back nobody has scored since the fourth inning when Dreeson played long ball for Cincinnati and the Yankees came back to get a run we're in the top of the seventh inning Doc Ellis started for New York was relieved by Jackson in the fourth and the 2-2 pitch is coming that's low well, oh, we talked about the temperature earlier. They say it's gone up a degree or so. It's now at 50 degrees here in New York City. I think partly because of the Yankee fans. <laughs> hey off pitch. Here's a high fly ball but full foul into the upper deck along the third base side. So Brad Jackson with a new baseball and Johnny Bench about to climb back into the batter's box. Young man who has made the town of Finger, Oklahoma, nationally famous. He hits one. Nice play by Jackson. He throws the first, and I'll tell you, he fielded that ball with his back to it. He stuck out his glove and took a hard hop. It stuck in the webbing of his mitt, and he turns it into. Well, for want of a better term, a routine out at first base. He never saw it. He never saw it. He just had that glove behind him, just below his posterior, as he was ducking to his right, and the ball stuck in the webbing of his glove, and he turned around and said, How do you do? And he threw it over to first base. He deprives Johnny Bench of what would have been a continuing perfect night at the plate. This pitch a breaking ball that goes off Munson's glove, and it's ball one on Geronimo. Geronimo, with a couple of nicknames on the Cincinnati cloth, the Chief, in reference to his last name, and they also referred to him as Tony Blake. Call strike. Tony Blake, the magician of TV fame. Bill Bixby played the role a couple of years back, and that's for his innate ability to get base hits anywhere between the white chalk lines. You'll go to left field on you, right field on you. There is no area that is untouched by a Geronimo baseball. And he has the ball on center field wherever it goes, too. He's one of the best fielders in the game. He's behind at one and two. Breaking ball inside. One out in the Cincinnati seventh inning. Geronimo, hitless and two times up in the game. Swings and fouls. In the series, he's one for seven. Has an RBI. and kicks and throws. Geronimo swings and another foul ball. It'll be out of play. The Reds had five hits in the first couple of innings. Since that time, in the last four turns, they have had three, and two of them came in the fourth inning, one of them a treason home run. Curve stays in tight to the left-handed batter, full count. Jack Ellis was not able to do it, but Grant Jackson has the 3 2 pitch. Struck him out swinging with a good fastball. Jackson has his third, and the two out hitter will be David Concepcion. He singled and knock in a run in the second. He struck out swinging against Jackson in the fifth. I was right. Geronimo came to this club along with uh, Joe Morgan, in that trade to Houston. Ball one. Yeah. Jack Billingham, Joe Morgan, Cesar Geronimo, Ed Armbrister, and Dennis Menke. For Tommy Helms and Lee May. Foul is out of here. Line down the right field line. One and one. One of the biggest trades, I guess you could say, went of all time in terms of putting everything together. The missing ingredients, that's when the Reds took off. Actually, was a throw-in of the deal. Jackson with a one-one pitch. Concepcion started to go, but held up, and it's ball two. The Yankees have pulled off some pretty good trades that have made this club from the Angels. They got Figueroa and their center fielder Rivers. That will be played in center field as Rivers races back. He camps under it, and Grant Jackson has done it again. The Reds are out in order. No runs, no hits. Nobody left, on. We moved to the New York 7. The Reds 4, the Yankees 1. Every mile you drive with an inefficient, dirty carburetor can cost you money. New Bardol fuel system treatment can help clean up your dirty carburetor. There's more to the story than that. Listen. Sounds awful, right? Intake valve deposits may be causing loss of power and even damaged valves. Bardol fuel system treatment helps prevent intake valve deposit buildup May save you a trip to the repair shop. Winter weather can lead to an iced-up carburetor and cause your car to stall. Bardol fuel system treatment can help prevent carburetor icing and could save you from a walk in the cold. Here's the best part: Bardol fuel system treatment is safe for use with catalytic converters. And when you buy three cans of new fuel system treatment, we'll give you a dollar cash refund. Pick up an official coupon at a participating retailer. Supply proof of purchase, and Bardo will make you your dollar. Bardo. Run with us. Well, Grant Jackson has done his job as a relief pitcher as he's come in here for the Yankees. In three and a third innings, he's only given up a single hit and no runs. And a magnificent play on Johnny Bench in the last inning when he stabbed backhanded without seeing it. In fact, after he made the stop, he looked at the ball, looked at his glove sort of unbelievingly, saw he had it, and threw him out. Now that Jackson has held the Reds, the Yankee fans on their feet in this last half of what they hope will be the seventh inning. They trail 4-1. Marty. Okay, here's Willie Randolph as the Yankee fans have taken the traditional seventh inning stretch. Over for 2. A fly ball left to pop out and foul ground. Collared by Johnny Bench. Call strike on the outside corner. Rose is in on the grass at third base. He tried to come back with the same pitch but missed with it. Blowing outside and it's one ball and one strike. Jim Mason is on deck. And then the leadoff batter, Mickey Rivers. They fooled him with that pitch up and in, and Randolph more or less swung at it in self-defense and fouls it back of the Yankee dugout. Zachary has given up four hits. He has struck out five. He has walked four. And he's ahead of the second baseman, Randolph, at one and two. Knocking his head to pick up Johnny Bench's sign and to the plate. Deck swing foul ball. You cannot like the Yankee chances very much if they go down and to defeat tonight. And they're trailing by three runs in the seventh. He struck him out. Randolph started around trying to hold up but committed himself. And Zachary now showing signs of gaining a second win. He has retired six batters in a row since the fifth inning walk to Roy White. Gee, I wish I had a backswing by Willie Randolph. Just an indication of the tension on the part of the young kid, knowing that uh, they've only got three more innings and they've trailed but three runs. Facing an equally young Pat Zachary, just 24. And Pat has done his job, at least so far. Held him to four hits in one run. And just as soon as it seems as though the Yankee crowd is going to get him up, he brings him down to earth. Jim Mason, the shortstop up for the first time in this game, and in the World Series, a ball to him. Mason, 26 years old, from Mobile, Alabama. Left-handed batter. Swing, fly ball, deep right field. Griffy watches it go out of here. Home run. the biggest thrill in this young man's major league career, a World Series home run, a line drive to the lower deck and right field of his 4-2. And he came into the game as a replacement for the man who's vested him for the position, Fred Stanley. I had remarked at the time that Mason had the job at the beginning of the year. He's always been a better hitter than Stanley, but in no sense a home run hitter. But Stanley, the better fielder, along with Randolph, had given the Yankees a real adroit second-base double play combination. And if you're going to have a championship team, that's what you need. You don't need a home run header at shortstop unless your name is a Joe Cronin or a Fred Stevens or a Honus Wagner, but those are long gone. What you need is a fancy fielder, the guy that will hit his 260-270. That's what uh, Stanley had done. So Stanley had won the job. But uh, Billy Martin, in the fourth inning, uh, sensing an opportunity for a Yankee rally, removed Fred Stanley with two men on and inserted Elrod Hendricks, the left-handed catcher. Hendricks was unable to come through. I was at the point of saying that the key point in the game from a Yankee stadium, uh, from a Yankee standpoint, was in the fifth inning when Mickey Rivers singled by just flopping the ball over the shortstop's head. White had walked, and with the crowd coming to the moment, and big Thurman Munson up, Thurman went with the ball, slashed it down the first baseline, but not high enough to get out of the clutches of Tony Perez. He caught it and doubled Mickey Rivers on second base. That seemed to put the Yankees to sleep until just now when Jim Mason line drives it, into the right field stands. And here is Mickey Rivers up. One in, one out. Rivers one for three. Pitch is high for ball one. We were forced to wait as the grounds crew here at Yankee Stadium had to come out and tidy things up a bit. Toilet paper being thrown out from the upper deck and right field as a result of Mason's home run. Up high and away, ball two. Jim Mason, by the way, hit only one home run the entire regular season. And that shot he hit to right field was going to turn off Pat Zachary, who may be a bit unnerved by it all. Ball three. And once again, we witness some stirring around in the Cincinnati bullpen. Johnny Bench stodders out to the mound to talk with Pat Zachary. As right-hander Raleigh Eastwick will get up, or rather will McEnany make it? Left-hander McEnany now throwing for Cincinnati. Quickly, the complexion can change in this national pastime called baseball. In the opening of this inning, the crowd came to its feet as the young Willie Randolph came to the bat. He couldn't restrain his eagerness, and he shoulder-struck at a third strike. And so it seemed like the inning as it started might end. But then Jim Mason, with one whack, has put the Yanks back in. They trail 4-2. to And Mickey Rivers is on. He can go off. At the plate, Concepcion out in front of second base, saying something to Pat Zachary as Pete Rose started in from third to the mound. Marty, I don't think that Rivers will go. Well, this crowd would love to see him take a shot at it. Roy White looks at a strike. He's been on two times with Walks. In fact, White and Greg Nettles are the two men that Zachary has had the most trouble with control-wise. He's walked both batters twice in the game. He would now like to get White to hit the ball on the ground at somebody. Throw to first, but safely back is River. Cincinnati 4, the Yankees 2 in the bottom of the 7th inning. 0-1 pitch to White. A check swing ground ball. Rose comes up, throwing to second base, and that's all they're going to get. The force out on Mickey Rivers. Rose with a nice play on his glove side. The ball was hit, but a not-so-hot throw to second base. It was high and came very close to pulling Morgan off the bag. Herman Munson will be the batter. He is single and three times the while, Will McInerney continues to get ready in the Cincinnati bullpen. With an opportunity to tie the game up in the fifth inning, Munson hit the ball to right, was not quite high enough to elude Perez, and it turned into an almost uh, heartbreaking double play against the Yankees. He can tie it up again. That's if he loses the ball. Big, strong right-handed batting Thurman Munson. watches the pitch go low for a ball. Zachary is in the seventh inning. And now Pedro Borbone, a right-hander, is once again teaming up with McEnany in that red bullpen. 1-0 the count on Munson with the pitch on the way. Check swing, ball two. On you, of course, can speculate. Should he lose Munson. Will Sparky Anderson go down and bring on McEnany to face Chris Chambliss? Zachary has had pretty good success against the left-handed batter tonight and that Chambliss has had a base hit off of him, but in his other two plate appearances, Zachary has struck him out. And Chambliss has had very good success against left-handed pitchers. Uh, Something that Sparky Anderson knows all too well. The 2-0 delivery to Munson. He swings and he fouls it outside of first base, but Perez will not have a play. Three hits 11 times, all singles in this World Series and RBI, batting 273. The Yankees have scored in the inning a one-out home run to right field by Jim Mason. That was followed by a base on balls to Rivers, but White hit into a force out at second. Roy White, the base runner. Munson, a line drive, hit to right field. The ball takes a big hop off the natural grass, and Griffey plays it, and here comes Anderson. And if you think one picture is worth a thousand words, listen. McEnany has already been summoned from the Cincinnati bullpen. And Pat Zachary, who is trying to become the first National League pitcher to go the distance in a World Series game since Steve Blass of Pittsburgh turned the trick against... The Baltimore Orioles in 1971 cannot do it. And while we have the pitching change, let's pause for a brief update from CBS News in New York. This is Doug Poling reporting on the CBS radio network. Campaigning in New York's Harlem tonight, Jimmy Carter stressed the need for jobs and housing. Carter said two and a half million people have become unemployed since President Ford took office. President Ford today accused Carter of advocating spending cuts that would weaken the nation's defenses. And in New York tonight, Secretary of State Kissinger defended the president's record on human rights. Eleanor Clay Ford, one of the world's wealthiest women, died in Detroit tonight at the age of 80. Despite the Lockheed scandal and other problems, the State Department this evening reported the relations between the United States and Japan are in good shape. Three of the permanent members of the U.N. Security Council, the U.S., Britain, and France have vetoed a draft resolution which would have imposed an arms embargo on South Africa. Thomas Young, the director of the Viking program, says the two probes on the red planet have failed to answer the question of whether there's life on Mars. This is Doug Poling, CBS News, New York. Okay, Doug, And the news of the world, at least the sports world, is concentrated right on the pitching mound here in Yankee Stadium at this moment as the Yankees, now trailing by two, have men on first and second. Two are gone, and young Will McEnany has come in to relieve Pat Zachary. McEnany, one of the two put-down twins of last year's champions, he and Eastwick were almost automatic firemen as the Cincinnati Reds marched to their championship last year. Eastwick, still in good form. McEnany, as I understand it, Marty, somewhat of a disappointment this year, didn't have quite the magic, had quite a healthy ERA, 4.27 or something, and his uh, the record as I read it was one and four. What was it actually? Well, he, he was a kid that had a whole lot of trouble in 1976 when and it was uh, I guess you could say a humbling year for Will McEnany. His record was two wins and six losses with a 488 earned run average after a, a magnificent season, as you pointed out in 1975. He and Raleigh Eastwick were indeed the gold dust wins for Cincinnati out of that bullpen. A young man from Springfield, Ohio, which is very close to Cincinnati. A young man who pitched very well in the World Series against Boston last year. In five appearances, he had a 2.70 earned run average with one save. He saved that seventh game, and now in, in a pressure cooker situation, two men on, two men out, and Chris Chambliss, who can reach the seats with no problem at all if he gets his pitch, is at the plate. Left-hander against left-hander. The pitch on the way, and Chambliss takes the ball low. the lead runner Thurman Munson, in his first base Chambliss grounds one to Perez that should be the inning he leads McEnany who takes the throw and caps the bag so Will McEnany enters the game and throws two pitches he retires Shambliss and the Yankees seventh is history one run two hits with two men stranded and after seven full the Reds four the Yankees two now you can have a phone in just about every room without waiting or paying for installation. Hi, Pat Summerall to tell you how. True Value Hardware stores offer phone extension cords, jacks, and plugs from Pacific Electric Cord. Attach them to your phone and walls and you can carry the phone from room to room for greater privacy and for greater convenience. It's almost like having a phone in every room. True Value Hardware stores offer plugs that fit any standard phone and jacks you can mount on a wall and attach to incoming lines. Get several so you can use your phone in many different rooms. You'll also find 25 foot Pacific Electric cord phone extension cords. Choose the wire-in type or the plug-in type for jack outlets. Enjoy the luxury of having a phone in every room. Get Pacific Electric cord jacks, plugs, and extension cords at participating True Value Hardware stores. And remember, True Value—that's more than just a name. It's their way of doing business. And by the way, tell them Pat Summerall sent you. Back in Yankee Stadium, the top of the eighth inning now. Grant Jackson once again to the mound. And the best two-way hitter in baseball today, Mr. Peter Rose, the only man on the field who has a lifetime batting average of over 300. Oh, must be about 312 or 15 now that he's in his 11th year, this time batting right-handed against Grant Jackson. And what did he do? He's a better hitter left handed win than he is as a right handed batter, but uh, as you pointed out, this man's career numbers speak for themselves. If you talk about led by Hall of famers, you got to figure Pete Rose is going to be very close to the front of the line. Here's a pitch from Jackson. Line drive, base hit. Rose was waiting on an overhand off speed curve, and Lyons went into center field for his second hit of the night. If you ever saw a disciplined hit, that was it. He was leaning in for the fastball, maintained his composure as it came in with a slow curve, timed it just right, and you heard that healthy quack as it went on a line into center field. That's hit number nine for Cincinnati. And only the second base hit off of Grant Jackson, who off to that single by Rose had retired 10 of 11 hitters. Ken Griffey still looking for hit number one, but he'll have to wait a moment longer as Jackson works to first base. Top of the eighth inning. Reds would like to get some more. Another throw to first. Jackson bound and determined to keep Rose as close to the bag as he possibly can in this situation. Griffey has bounced out twice and has flying to left field. Out of the plate. And that's low as Munson goes to both knees to keep that ball from getting through. Pitching line on Pat Zachary, by the way. Six and two-third innings, he gave up two Yankee runs on six hits. With five walks and six strikeouts. Strike on the outside corner. Good pitch. 1-1 to count. Doc Ellis started for New York. He went three and a third. The Yankees got to Retrover, got to him for all four of their runs on seven hits. And Ellis had a strikeout with no walk. He tries to bunt his way aboard. Throw it at first. They didn't get it. Punched in a good quick snap throw, and Rose had to come in the side door. Slid back at first on the right field side and just diluted Chris Shambliss' glove. On the strike two on the bunt attempt by Griffey, Duttles now backs up to play a normal third base position. Drive in the hole and on into right field. Rose looking back at Gamble, going to try to get the third. The throw cut off by Mason and Rose in safely with a head first line. So the Cincinnati Reds are knocking on the door here in the eighth inning with runners on the corners and nobody out for Joe Morgan as Sparky Lyle and Dick Titro begin to loosen up for New York. Suddenly the Reds are striking at the door again, and I couldn't help think, as I watched Griffey at the plate, he had never seen Jackson before. What do you do when you've never seen a pitcher before? Well, there's the scouting report on what he throws. But basically, as Griffey himself said before the start of the series, and he was going to face Tidrow for the first time, or rather Alexander, he says, you look for the ball, you look at the ball. Well, if a guy is throwing a fastball 90 miles an hour, do you know how much time you have to see the ball? Listen, that's how fast. Less than half a second. The Yankee infield comes in for Joe Morgan. A ground ball, base hit right over the first base bag. Rose drops in to score from third. Griffey goes to third base, and Morgan will go standing up in second with a run-scoring double. Cincinnati has added a run on three consecutive eighth-inning hits to bring about the ouster of Grant Jackson, as Billy Martin makes a slow walk toward the mound and apparently is talking with Chris Shambliss about, I would imagine, whether or not he thought the ball was fair or foul. Oh, it went right over the bag. I don't think there was any question about it. And as I was explaining what a batter does when he has never seen a pitcher before, he looks for the ball. Prior to this inning, Grant Jackson held them in command and had given up but one hit. But the Reds started seeing things. They kept pecking away and in this particular inning what they saw must have been about as big as a grapefruit because on three swings, three hits, Pete Rose waiting on a slow breaking curve, smashes on a deadline into center field. Then Ken Griffey, a line drive into right field with Rose belly bumping in the third base. And then Joe Morgan, a line shot on the ground that is, a bouncer with plenty of speed over the base. Out in the right field, and now men on second and third, which again has brought a pitching change for the New York Yankees. This is the third of the night. The Yankees, somewhat quenched in spirit, I would think, at the moment, after having drawn within two runs of the world's champions, now again find themselves trailing by three. Nobody out in this top of the eighth inning, and men on first and third. Well, can you say? You can say that there's action aplenty here at Yankee Stadium, and of course there's plenty of sports action here on CBS Radio the year-round with postseason football next on the CBS Radio Agenda. There's Masters Golf and Racing's Triple Crown in the spring, and more baseball next summer and fall. Year-round sports are featured on these CBS Radio Network stations. And as Marty had anticipated, it's Dick Tidrow, number 19, coming in from the Yankee bullpen. And he will face the rampaging Reds. Tidrow, along with Jackson, had been the stalwart relievers for the Yankees in the latter half of the season, even replacing the ubiquitous Sparky Lyle, who uh, at the start of the season was presumed to be the mainstay of the relief core for the Yankees. But Tidrow, from Cleveland, although he started... Uh, fairly regularly in the early part of the year. With Doc Ellis coming on, Tidra went to the bullpen, and it was he from the right side and Jackson from the left side who maintained the big Yankee lead that they had posted halfway through. The Yankees, one of the few teams in baseball during this past year who didn't really have... In baseball during this past year who didn't really... was on the money as was the club almost all year but now it's a different day or a different night they're playing a team from a different league a club whose batting order is just as strong if you looked in the mirror as you do looking at head on doesn't make any difference the bottom guy geronimo batted 308 and as marty explained he's uh, the joke on the team and so far he seems to needle his hits and them wherever there is an empty spot on the diamond. And the Reds have struck quickly as they did in the second inning with four hits and three runs. They now have three straight hits. They have one in and two in scoring position. And it doesn't really make any difference who's coming to the, to the play. The man on second was last year's MVP they gave four balls intentionally just the other night, but all they did was bring up the leading RBI man in the Reds' history, and that's he at the plate now. Tony Perez is the name of the man, and the Yankee infield is really pulled in now as Tidro sends it in, and Perez takes the breaking ball, ball one. Tidro had a losing record, but that doesn't tell the story. He was 4-5 with a 263 earned run average. He was in, in 11 game-saving situations and chalked up 10 saves fouled out of play by Perez. You can't do much better than that. Ten out of eleven times, he saved ball games for New York. But in a very unenviable spot right now, with Griffey at third, Morgan in second, two guys who can really run, and with the defense playing in, insofar so far as the infield is concerned, Perez waits on the one-one pitch. The Reds now lead it five to two, with none out, and can break this game wide open here in the eighth inning. That's. Swung out and fouled again as Perez went after a pitch down and away. So Dick Tidrow wearing number 19 on the New York Yankee pinstripe has his work cut out for him because after Perez, you've got a man who will be coming up that's working on a three-for-three three night and Danny Dreesen. Perez back in the batter's box as Tidrow toes the rubber and checks in with Munson. The pawns and the pitch. Ground ball hits a short. They're going to come to the plate. Now they've got Griffey caught in a rundown. Back it goes. They tag no play at third on Morgan. Now they run Griffey back for third, and Munson tags him out. Well, a very, very head-drop play by Greg Nettles. He couldn't pull it off. But had he been able to get Morgan rather sliding into third, the Yankees had themselves set up for a double play. Morgan was safe at third. But they ultimately get Griffey in the rundown with Perez going all the way to second base. And if you're scoring the play, like play-by-play announcers usually say, that went from six to one to five to one. And Griffey went to the bench. In the meantime, of course, Perez, nobody paying any attention to him, went to second base. So the only change that has been in the situation is men on second, third, but now there's one up. It's Danny Dreesen who will get the intentional walk a left-handed batter. That will fill the bases with reds and mean that Tidro will be pitching to right-handed batting George Foster. Make that 6-2 to two to 5-2. to two. Munson with a tag out of Ken Griffey. And so Tidro has gotten a big out as he gets Perez to hit the ball on the ground directly at the drawn-in shortstop Jim Mason. Recent waiting on intentionally thrown ball four, and there it is. I said 6-1 to 5-1, to, five to one, but of course I said that's what baseball announcers say. <laughs> of course, the catcher is number two. Base is loaded. One man out. You'll have Nettles, Mason, and Randolph playing at double play depth while Chris Shambliss will play inside the runner at first base threesome. Foster is doubling three times up. Kidrow will work out of the stretch. Foster steps away from the plate. Puts a bad head on the plate and now waits. Kidrow checking the runners and the pitch to the plate by the right-hander misses inside to Foster the ball. Morgan at third base. Tony Perez at second. Danny Dreesen at first. They are the Cincinnati base runners with one out and a run in. 1-0. Swung on and hit hard to left field. There's Roy White. He short-hopped the ball and it comes free. Morgan scores. The bases remain loaded. It is 6-2 Cincinnati. And I'll tell you, Roy White had all sorts of trouble with a ball that apparently had a lot of action on it. He went to both knees. He short-hopped and it then bounced away from him. The Reds have another run home and again lead by four runs in the game. Here, Perez, a run-scoring single. The batter is Johnny Bench. Two singles and three times up. He swings and bounces one to third. Nettles will step on third and go across to Shambler who digs it out to get the double play. Nice play by Chris Shambler And Cincinnati is out in the eighth inning, but they get two runs. On four base hits, no errors, and two men left on. At the end of seven and one half, it's Cincinnati 6, New York 2. Here comes the king, here comes the speed
1: number one. Budweiser, fear the king, is second to none. Just say Budweiser, you say.
0: Missouri. Last of the eighth inning, the red 60, Yankees, 2. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. Catch the latest scores with Ray Geraci's Weekend sports Force. It's on the news 78, WBBM Chicago. That last play, the ground ball just inside third base that's snared, stepped on third, and then through to first base. The first baseman, Shambler, short hops it and makes the play. It was a duplicate of the opening inning play by George Brett of the Kansas City Royals against the Yankees. But of course, as you know, the play ended differently. The short hop was not snared by John Mabry, and that was the beginning of the downfall of the Royals. I guess that's what they mean when they say that's the way the ball bounces. Carlos May to lead off the eighth inning for New York. Time running out on the Yankees in this game as McEnany comes up and in with a fastball that has May spinning out of there in a hurry. Rolling eastward. The number one hammer in that Cincinnati bullpen is now throwing. Carlos May hit three times up. Takes it low and inside. Ball two. McEnany has problems in this eighth inning. Sparky Anderson will not hesitate a second to go down and bring on Eastwood. Here's a smash backhanded by Concepcion. Long throwing to Perez and plenty of time, and there's one to work. Good play by the shortstop. Carlos not the fastest man on the Yankee roster, and it was by a couple of steps. Here's Greg Nettles. Officially, he's 0 for one, but he's been a base runner twice in the game with walks. He is jammed on the pitch and will send a foul pop out of play directly back of the plate. Right-hander Pat Zachary is the pitcher of record for Cincinnati at this moment you have got to go back a few years to find the last rookie pitcher to start and win a World Series game. One ball and one strike to Nettles. That pitcher was New York Mets' Gary Gentry, who on the 14th of October, 1969, shot up a World Series win over Baltimore. Breaking ball, a check swing foul, or was it? The ball got Johnny Bench. Did Nettles make contact? Apparently he did. Make it a count of a ball and two strikes. And the plate umpire Billy Williams is very gentlemanly, taking time, rubbing up the ball, which will give Johnny a time to, to recover. Incidentally, you mentioned Jeffrey's win. Of course, that was the miracle year for the Mets. So it took a miracle for a rookie to win. With this year, with the Zachary on his way to a win, you, you don't need a miracle when you got eight guys up in the field like that. That's the kind of thunder this Cincinnati club has. Back in any pitches. And this is with a delivery two or two. The Reds at one time led four to nothing. It was then four to one, then four to two. It is now again a four-run advantage for the Reds at six to two. Here's a smash to right field, but serving and foul. That's his second foul home run in successive times at that. The previous time he struck out. Count is two and two. Let's see what happens here. and he kicks and throws, and here's a hard smash field. Of the, oh, it got off of Morgan. It rolls to foul ground in right field. Dettles will go to second base, and he is in flatted. Did not need to slide because Morgan and Griffey converged on the ball, and Joe Morgan very alertly, indicating the third base had left and left uncovered got a throw into Concepcion as Foster came running into left field to cover the bag in the event that Nettles had idea. And Morgan was given an error on the play, even though to me it seemed like it was a bad hop at the last second that caught him up with a cradle of his arm. And um, the crowd, I think, seems to—no, they're not agreeing with me. They're just saluting Funella that comes up, whose surname is Lou, and they go Lou, Lou, Lou. Like they used to go moose, moose, moose for Scowron. Scowron was the home run hitter for this Yankee aggregation, and they're hoping that Blue will do the same. He's pitch hitting for Oscar Gamble. Vanilla from Tampa, Florida, the spring training home of the Cincinnati Reds. Right handed batter with Dentals at second base on the two base error by Morgan. Vanilla grounds one to shortstop. Dentals will go to third as Concepcion gets the out at first. Two down. Will step in now. He's wide out, popped out, and struck out at three times. The Randolph in the series is one for eight. The Yankees have had but six hits, all off the starter Will or rather Pat Zachary. McEnany, came on in the seventh to get Shambliss to bounce out, and should the run. Come across here for New York, and the first of medals at third. It would go down as an unearned run, but a run nevertheless. Swinging a miss. Six runs, twelve hits, two errors for Cincinnati. Two runs, half a dozen hits, and errorless baseball for the hometown team. There's a chopper foul off third. Billy Martin, hands in his back pockets, pacing in the Yankee dugout. Right now he sees his club only four outs away from going down to a three-nothing deficit in this World Series. Fly ball hit the left center field. Foster racing back, still on the run, close to a trot and makes the catch. Running grab by George Foster in left center deprives Randolph of what certainly would have been an extra base hit. And in the inning, no runs, no hits, one error, one left. We have completed aid at Yankee Stadium, the Red Sox, New York 2. Honey, I'm home. Honey, honey, did you take the car down to Eddie's station for a muffler? It's really getting bad. Uh Uh-huh. Did did you have to leave the car? No. Uh, I told you it was a good idea for me to make friends with Eddie. You know, he's a good kid.
1: Jim, I didn't leave the car because he said it would take three weeks to get the muffler parts.
0: Oh, well... And did you take it to Jerry's Motor City? After all, Jerry sold me that car. You know, we went to high school together. Oh, we're like that, good old Jerry and me.
1: Yeah, well, that's probably why good old Jerry put us very first on the waiting list for an appointment a week from Friday.
0: A week from Friday? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. The neighbors, they're going to start complaining. Oh, no, they won't.
1: Mm, they won't? Nope. After Eddie's and Jerry's, I took the car to Midas. I was in and out in 30 minutes with a new muffler.
0: When you're in a hurry, nobody's faster than Midas. We've built a business for people who can't wait. For mufflers or sharks, come to Midas. We're specialists. We have to do a better job. And a faster job, too. Back at Yankee Stadium. The ball that Willie Randolph hit to left center was headed towards the absolute deepest part of this irregularly shaped But beautiful stadium, 430 feet into left center. And it would have taken a man with a lot more muscles than Willie to reach that fence. In fact, uh, before the refurbishment of this stadium, I think that part of the left field fence, I forget the actual measurements, but it was out in Westchester County somewhere. And I don't think anybody uh, ever really lost the ball. Jimmy Fox hit one in the left field once, Marty, that went way up in the second deck. And uh, landed halfway up. Nobody in history has ever hit a ball out of the Yankee Stadium. Hey, Geronimo for openers in the Cincinnati ninth inning at 6-2 to two Reds. And did throw the right-hander. Starts him out with a fastball down and outside. Change for the Yankees in right field now. Luke Manella, he's replaced Oscar Gamble after hitting for Gamble in the eighth inning. Two and nothing. Geronimo without a hit in three times, but he's batted home a run and reaching on a fielder's choice in the second and scores. Jam job that has Geronimo popping it up and into the seats behind the Cincinnati dugout. If you're thinking ahead to the New York Yankee ninth inning, think Jim Mason, Mickey Rivers, and Roy White at least scheduled to bet. About one third of the Yankee Reuters are not thinking ahead. They've left the park. That they have. A lot of empty seats in Yankee Stadium. Right line drive over third base hit. Roy White waiting on the ball. Geronimo will hold it first base and right there win is. An idea of what we were talking about earlier. This man, a left-handed batter, but he will go anywhere for a base hit. He has a beautiful inside-outside swing on those low outside balls like the Chambliss will do or like the Mickey Rivers would do. Of course, it's a a sign of a thinking hitter. That's the 13th hit in the game for Cincinnati, and that's a high-water mark of this World Series to date. Davey Concepcion, he's had one of the 13 hits, a single that produced a run in inning number two. He grounds one to third. Nettles turns on to Randolph. He turns it over to Shamblin. That's a double play. Anything down that third baseline, this year at any rate, turns out to be the surest out in the business. As Craig Nettles, well on his way to a golden glove as far as I'm concerned, was just a picture of defensive perfection as he started that double play. The man is absolutely money in the bank defensively. Not a high average hitter, never has been, but has always been noted for his power, and this year he led the heap with 32 big ones in the American League. Pete Rose is looking for his third hit. He was without one in the first two games, but a single twice tonight. That pitch fooled him, a late swing and a foul back. He got a single as a left-hander and a single as a right-hander the third Yankee pitcher. Ellis went three and a third. Grant Jackson went three and a third, giving up four hits, three strikeouts, two runs. Didrow strike one pitch. Hit down the left field line, but it'll be out of play. Rose, who has been an outstanding postseason performer for Cincinnati, last year's MVP in the World Series against Boston, has had a slow bat coming around in this 1976 edition, but with two tonight. Shows signs of coming out of it after a big series against Philadelphia. He's in a big 0-2 hole. Hidrow's taking a lot of time. Now the wind and down the pitch. Check swing, liner, in and then out of the Cincinnati dugout. He almost got Big Ted wazuski <laughs> Standing over by the Reds' bat rack. Mr. Muscles, of course, was great in Cincinnati history, but uh, as he himself will tell you, his greatest thrill was playing in the World Series, but for the Chicago White Sox. One of the all-time favorites in Cincinnati. Boy, I'll tell you, the guy has had a long and glorious career with the Reds and is an outstanding batting instructor. a strike down, swinger. Pedro has retired the Reds with rapid dispatch in the ninth inning making make it And as we go to the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees are four down. The Reds six, New York two. In all my life, never won a darn thing. Well, I was a born loser. Then I played budget a cars. I can't wait to win sweepstakes. And I one. Because every licensed driver wins two first prizes of a new Chevrolet Caprice, all the way to terrific-looking T-shirt iron-ons. What I win, <laughs> none of your business. Expires November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See our mail-in offer in national magazines. Rules are available at participating budget rental car locations where GM and other fine cars are featured. World Series time means cold weather and time to start piling up that firewood. It's an easy job with a running-in gas or electric chainsaw. Lightweight, powerful, and available in assorted sizes. They'll do just about any cutting job. So after the game... Drop by your nearest Remington dealer and ask him to show you one of the many value-packed Remington chainsaws. A Mighty Mike gasoline starting at $104.95, or the popular Lehman Trim electric for as low as $29.95. Cutting wood? Think about Remington. The chainsaw in a class by itself. When this last out has been registered in this 1976 version of the uh, World Series, what's left for a baseball fan? Well, it can get heated up on the hot stove stop. You want to know more about hot stove participation in baseball? Why don't you make plans for your season tickets for 77? All you need is a phone. Call any club's ticket department, and they'll put your tickets aside. Uh, businesses will find their season tickets very useful for entertaining. Why not now? The preceding has been brought to you on behalf of Major League Baseball. Okay, Marty. Okay, when a pitch hitter for Jim Nathan, who homered in the seventh inning... Right-handed batting Otto Velez against left-hander Will McEnany he is on in the ninth inning now to try and nail it down. The first pitch is in for strike one call. Red six, Yankees two. Velez batting 266 during the regular season with a couple of homers. Knocked in ten runs. He swings and he misses. Quickly a two-strike count with Mickey Rivers on deck. And how quick and fleeting is fame. Mason, who brought this crowd to uh, its feet for the home run, has replaced course. He's facing a left-handed pitcher, or would be. That pitcher's a high-and-away fastball. Eastwick, all the while, continues his loosening up chores for Cincinnati, just in the event. Back at any with a one and two. And again, he goes outside. Two balls and two strikes. Cincinnati relief pitching continues to be excellent in this World Series. First, it was four-bone Saturday, then Billingham Sunday, and now Mackinnonny tonight as he has the last swinging and fouling out of here. And prior to the series, there was no question that the uh, Reds were the better hitting club, but the the dope was that the Yankees had the better pitching. That has not been the case so far in this series, and of course, the Reds' pitching was underrated all year long. This ball three. Anytime you win 102 games, I don't care how much thunder you have, the pitching has to play a part. The one thing that the Reds did not have and have not had for a number of years is a big, big hammer, a saber, or a hunter, or a pitcher like this. Three and two the count. He struck him out swinging. Actually, a foul tip that Johnny Bench hung on to. So McEnany, pitching very well tonight in relief of Pat Zachary, has punched down on Ovalaz and will go to work on Mickey Rivers. Not to be unfair to Don Gullett on that staff, he has all the equipment and uh, could have, should have uh, been the hammer, as you call him, but he's been hurt, and that has held him back. That is true, With Rivers a base hit tonight, looks at a strike occur. Has been on actually three times in the game. An error in the first inning got him aboard. A base hit in the fifth inning, and a walk in the seventh. Line drive. Morgan cannot get it. Five and into right field. That's the first hit off Will McEnany since he came on in the seventh inning to retire Chris Shamblin Now it's going to be Roy White, the switch hitter. He's facing McEnany for the first time. His 0 for 2 is Watt White. Batting 222 in the World Series with two hits in nine times. The Rivers takes the lead. he looks that way and throws to the plate. White takes it low for a ball one. The Yankee bullpen is quiet. The Reds bullpen is active. Right-hander Raleigh Eastwood. Swing and a pop-up may be a play for Perez over down to find the Yankee dugout, and he has it. So two men out, and the Yankee hopes in this third game now rests on the bat of catcher Thurman Munson. He will try and keep him alive. Munson is single, lined out twice, once into a double play in the fifth inning when he lined to Perez and single again in the seventh inning. And adjusting his batting glove. McAnany waiting patiently on the mound as a burly Yankee catcher steps in for the fifth time in the game. Two men out. Runner at first base rivers the Yankees trail. The Reds 6-2. to McAnany looking around the spacious outfield grasses in Yankee Stadium and now delivers. Munson shoots one to the right side of the infield. He has his third hit and Rivers goes to 2nd and holds right there. So we come full cycle. With a 2-out wrong field hit by Munson, it brings up Chris Shambliss, the first man that back in any faced back in the 7th inning when he got him to tap out for Perez to Mackinani coverage. For a right-handed power hitter Thurman Munson has made himself into the best wrong field hitter in the league. Shambliss has had a hit tonight. And the pitch to him is taken down and away for ball one. The Yankees, by no means, are giving up. They have had a lot of staying power in this World Series. They keep coming at you. And now Johnny Bench is out from behind the plate, pointing out towards something in the outfield. And and Sparky Anderson is coming out. I don't know whether there's something that appears to be wrong with Ken Griffey. Cesar Geronimo has gone over to look at him. Now Sparky Anderson is running on to right center field to check on Ken Griffey as Joe Morgan and George Foster go out that way. Yes, I didn't see anything happen, but two attendants have come out on the field. There's some stray paper there, which they're recovering, but uh, our attention was riveted on the drama here between pitcher and catcher. We suddenly noticed that, that Griffey walked slowly over towards his center fielder mate uh, Cesar Geronimo. Then the umpires came out. Sparky came out. I think more uh, in a matter of an inquiry. I know Sparky was apprehensive about the possible uh, deportment of the New York fans, but we haven't seen anything that we can report, and I would uh, hesitate to uh, conjecture at this point. I don't think that was it. It's conceivable that Griffey got something in his eye, but that would only be guessing too. we We're 350 feet away. Griffey is okay. Chambliss will step back into the batter's box with a count of one ball and no strikes. coming up with a couple of ninth inning hits for Mickey Rivers and Thurman Munson with two men out. And Shambliss will try and keep it going. Here comes the pitch. That's low for ball two. Two and nothing. Got another left-handed batter coming up after Shambliss and that's your designated hitter, Carlos May. Ball strike. Two and one. Looking in Runners take their lead at first and second The pitch to Shambler swung on Fly ball left field George Foster toward the line And this one belongs to the Reds Here in the ninth inning New York with no runs on a couple of hits As Cincinnati's Reds move to within one game Of winning their second consecutive world championship Tonight they defeat the New York Yankees In the third game of the series By a final score of 6-2 fans, this is T.B. Reese. I'll tell you, 1976 was a record-breaking year in sports. Up in Montreal, the USA broke 17 Olympic marks, and altogether, the nations of the world set 72 new Olympic records. But let me tell you about the record-breaker of the year, Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco. There's a smokeless tobacco name people have known and trusted for close to 200 years. Well now, the Levi Garrett people have come out with the fresh new chewing tobacco flavor, that lives up to their proud tradition of quality and good taste. And talk about breaking records. People all over this country are making Levi Garrett the fastest growing brand of loose leaf chewing tobacco. Just taste that fresh new flavor and you'll know why. Look for Levi Garrett in the gold pouch with the picture of the original factory building on it. Fresh new flavor from a name you can trust. You know it's got to taste good. It's got the Levi Garrett name, Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco. Let's make it 3-0 in series games, as they defeat the New York Yankees for the score of 6-2, 6-13-2 for Cincinnati, 2-8 and zip for the Yankees. And tonight was a matter of the Cincinnati Reds did it when they had the chance. They had two big innings, if two-run innings can be called big. Actually, the second inning, they scored three runs. They got four hits in that inning, and they casted in for three runs. In the eighth inning, after the Yankees had started to threaten, the Reds got four hits again and put it away with two additional runs. A Dan Dreesome home run in the fourth inning with the additional run, making for six. The Yaks had their chances. They had men in scoring position at least four times, were unable to cash in.